Welcome to the Neighborhood Watch Party Podcast with George, James, and Drew. While we may essentially just be fans of the sport, we passionately debate it weekly and have recorded it here for your viewing pleasure. Check out our social media in the description to find us on other platforms. Please enjoy. All right. Let's get into the second week of the Neighborhood Watch Party Podcast with George, James, and Drew. I'm Drew, you know, the the Steelers fan extraordinaire. But we're going to hop right into the action here. We've got some good stuff for you lined up today. Um, We've got a lot of good, exciting games in week 13 of football. So we're going to be talking about that first. We're going to be going over last week's games and results, talking about some big games, talking about our favorite teams, talking about the community neighborhood watch. But, you know, after all that, we're going to go into some breaking news. Um, We've got some big stuff today, some Tom Brady talk, um, some Odell talk some college football talk. We've got things all the way down the line. But finally, we'll go talking about next week's games and doing those predictions. Um, and speaking of those predictions, we've got a betting scoreboard update for you. James had a bit rough of a week one. Um, his Texans, Chargers, and Titans pick all didn't go through with the Titans being his money lock. He did get his San Francisco and Giants picks, though, so that puts James at two points. James, any comment on your first week uh, under under for predictions? Uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a tough week, uh, painful week. You know, proud proud of my proud of the Niners and uh, I guess the Giants for coming through for me. But uh, you know, uh, I was a bit bullish on the Titans, and um, I did not expect Josh Jacobs to play. And uh, Josh Jacobs did indeed play. You can look at the stat line there for that one. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring it back next week, though. We're gonna bring it no back. No worries. Next Much week. like Mike Tomlin in, at halftime, James is James is all work. He says we got work to do. We've still got work to do. I'm fucking working here. All right. But I, I had an okay week, you know. I, I, I won my, I lost my Colts. I, I'm very surprised at the Colts. I had, I was so promised for them. But we'll talk about that later. Jets lost my pick, but I got Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and the Saints on my money lock. But Georgie came out with a perfect week of betting. If anyone was betting with him last week, I hope you had a good time on whatever sports book you use. George Giants plus two and a half right. Pitt minus one right. Cleveland minus seven right. Buffalo minus four, right? And the money lock of the century, Lions plus one when they dominated. George, predictions all around, even against the community team. How did you put together this performance? I mean, it was it was a really simple strategy going into the week. You got to pick the hot hand here. And Giants and Commanders, that was a toss-up. I, the Giants pick was really just to mess with James a little bit, I'll be honest. So that was a little bit of an anomaly. We got a tie. A field goal in overtime could have ended that bet right there, but we took our time. We walked away. Pittsburgh and Cleveland are heating up, guys. I mean, I think they both strung together a couple wins in a row. They're fighting for that last dying hope of a playoff chance. Ride with the hot hand. Same thing with Buffalo minus four. I'd put down a Buffalo minus four bet on um, against almost any team in the league because they could beat any team in the league by more than a touchdown when the real Buffalo Bills show out. And then the Detroit Lions, man. One five of the last six. They're hot. Plus one was just. They're hot. They're hot. I mean, they won 40 to 14. The plus one was a no brainer there out, out there. I think they're even down in Jacksonville. But again, we, we should have headed up to Jack's Casino in Cleveland last <laughs> week. Let me tell you, we were hot. All right. But yeah, betting scoreboard update that puts George at seven, uh, Drew at five, and James at two. Um, we still got a lot of football left. It's anyone's game here at the Neighborhood Watch Party betting extravaganza. But 
with that, we're going to hop into our first vault portion where we actually start talking about the content that y'all want to hear about. And that's going to start off with last week's game. So I'm going to throw it to George, who's taking us on a big game hunt today. George likes his hunting. He can show us some big games that are out there this week. He's got two for us lined up, I believe. Two for us. Uh, the first one, last night's Monday night football game. The Buccaneers' crazy comeback against... Who the heck was that again? Oh, the Saints. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why. Come on. <laughs> oh, no, my George, God. George, my money <laughs> lock. My money lock. George, come on. I brain farted for a second. It's all right. I mean, they, the, the Saints the Saints deserve to be forgotten after losing this comeback loss. I hear they're still in the ER after choking. the Saints. Um, I think I, I, this is me speaking from my butt and not from facts, but I think that's Tom Brady's first time in Tampa Bay beating the Saints since he's been there with an in-division rival. Well, yeah, it if the Saints actually. won, though, it would have been Andy Dalton's first time winning a Monday night football game since, like, <laughs> 2014. So, like, um, I, I, I think it was more crazy that Andy Dalton almost was in a position to break that streak. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was a crazy comeback. The Buccaneers were down 16-3 to with three minutes left in the game. Tom Brady organizes a Beautiful drive to go down, score a touchdown, and then they don't onside or anything. They just kick the ball to the defense. They kick the ball back to the Saints. Trust the defense. Defense gets a quick three and out. They got the ball back because the Saints tried throwing it. They got the ball back with two minutes and 40 seconds left. Tom Brady with a timeout, two minutes and 40 seconds, you're doomed. And it, it actually took them about all the two minutes and 40 seconds. They scored three seconds left. They actually scored twice, but the first touchdown was called back for a holding. And then they ended up getting it in the end zone with three seconds left, added on the extra point. And that is Tom Brady's biggest regular season fourth quarter comeback. I had to note regular season because he did something to the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, but that's the postseason. That is true. Um, yeah, that's a painful time. The latest touchdown in a game in Tom Brady's career. But with three seconds left on the clock, that was the latest touchdown that Tom Brady's ever thrown in an NFL game. So, really, a stat-breaking night for a guy where it's hard to find new stats to make up to pat him. And this game was big for the division, too. If the Buccaneers would have dropped this, the NFC South would have been an absolute open door for all four teams. I think all four teams would have been within a game of each other. But now... The Buccaneers move up to 500. They got a two, three game lead on some of these teams, so it doesn't. Look <coughs> but here's yeah. my here's my thing, George. You don't. You only need to look to last week's episode to understand how much I'm critical of the Buccaneers this year. Tom Brady's time, and we could save like Tom Brady good questions uh, for for later in the show. But when when you're looking at this game, like like especially with the odds of coming back. Brady, Brady, like Brady rallied the troops here, but like we, I know I saw another p- picture last night of him yelling, just like throwing a tablet or something. Yeah, right. the, the, the question you have to ask yourself is, why did it take him fifty-seven minutes to score three points? Um, yeah, the Bucks yeah, offense was a little bit. Uh, a whole football game scoring three points and then scored two touchdowns in the last three minutes. Um, yeah, that's not a good look. That's not I, a good look. I'm not thinking too deep into this because like I just said the Saints have had Tom Brady's number since he's been in Tampa Bay so the fact that he actually like and when I say had his number they don't beat him in close games they've been like 
beating him, beating him. Like, his Super Bowl. Yeah, but, the, like, that was, like, Drew Brees. Right? I No, I don't think that was Drew Brees, no. Drew, Drew Brees beat him twice, except in the playoffs. And then I think Winston beat him last year once, maybe. Winston last year that he uh. But uh, either way, the Saints have had Brady's number defensively, too, since he's been in Tampa Bay. So... The fact that he finally got out with a win is a I would think of it as a positive in their eyes. For sure. For no, sure. but I mean the one thing I want to talk about with this game though is like I, I think that it is like fair to to talk about like the Bucks not being able to score any points until like the last three minutes of the five minutes of the game, because that's pretty substantial. But the Saints just choking their way out of this game. I mean, they had this game on lock. They didn't like they literally just had to get a first down and they would have won the game or their defense just had to perform at the level it was performing all game and they just didn't like i mean and george i know you're saying like that the buccaneers defense got three and out i mean no offense Taysom hill just dropped the ball like andy dalton put a ball in Taysom, Taysom hill's chest and he dropped it like good defense by the secondary that that was a drop. That was a drop by Taysom Hill. <laughs> hit him in the hit him in the chest, and he dropped the ball. He got hit uh, when he when he caught it, sure. But like, dude, you got to hold that ball. It's the game, like that. Yeah. Like you, you can tell you want that's a better defensive play. It's not poor offense. If we're also talking about Tampa Bay's defense, they held the Saints to 16 points in the game. When you're in the NFL and you hold your opponent to 16 points, you're supposed to win. Yeah, is- yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe sure. usually yeah, I, this I, year. I, this year, I don't know. I mean, the offense for the Saints could have been better, yeah. But, like, the fact that the defense gave up back-to-back scoring drives in a game where they really hadn't allowed much aside from the first drive of the game, I mean, that situational coaching right there, and I know, obviously, Tom Brady's a great situational player, so I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, you know, they just, you know, it was, it was just an average QB that did this to them. But still, when you have when you have Tom Brady's number the whole game and then you let up back-to-back, um, back-to-back um, two-minute drives, basically. It's just it's just not a good look. The Saints choked that game. I I, like, I don't think Tom Brady was the – I think Tom Brady's the reason the Buccaneers won. Like, I'm not going to give it to their coaching staff because I think their coaching staff honestly had a pretty bad performance this game despite the live. But I just think we got to acknowledge that, like, the Saints just choked that game away. Like, that was the Saints game. They had it won, and they just let the Buccaneers win. Yeah, but I also don't want to diminish Tom Brady simply being great last night. But – I think we should move on. To- I mean, was he was he great though? The like, if you can say he was, he was great, great like, when he needed to be. five. It, that's what Tom Brady does. He's been doing it for. 20 I don't think years. I don't think you call a QB great that puts up seventeen points. Bro. Tom, that, just- that was Tom Brady's forty fourth fourth quarter comeback in his career. That's like than a lot of quarterbacks live the NFL with. No, I'm not the I'm not diminishing Tom Brady's a great QB as an overall player. Like I, I agree with you. But like to say like, oh, the dude was electric night, he just wasn't. He had three drives. And in the NFL you can't sometimes you only need three drives, but he didn't even score on all three of those good drives. So I, I just and he threw a pretty bad pick in the game too. Let's not let's not uh forget that one too. So and he almost threw another one at the end of the game. It was it just hit the ground before the guy the guy picked it off. So or picked it up off the ground so i'm just saying tom brady led the comeback he's the reason they won but to say he was great that game eh, i think that's a bit bullish on you george but he was great when it mattered and the buccaneers notched another win but let's get to another extremely exciting game this week with the jets versus the vikings 
Huge playoff implications on the line. Vikings, one game out of that top seed in the NFC. Jets hanging on to a wild card spot in the AFC. And this game was absolutely electric. The Vikings came out swinging for a large portion of this. It looked like the Vikings had it under wraps. They had a multiple score lead going into the fourth quarter. And Jets looked a little hopeless. But then the Lord and Savior Mike White earned it on led two scoring drives in a row and before you knew it, it was 22 27 and the jets had the ball attempting to go and score and they're right there on the goal line mike white drops an absolute dime to braxton barrios on a little texas route right across the middle of the field and braxton barrios just drops it the game-winning touchdown anyways that was on first or second and goal throughout the rest of the drive. They got up to the one yard line. They try a Mike White QB sneak that gets stuffed by the Vikings. I, I don't know what it is with this Vikings defense and QB sneaks, but they stuffed Jalen Hurts. Um, they, they've just been, they know how to stuff the QB sneak. If you um, know it's coming. It's probably... if you do know, it's, but I mean, lots of teams know it's coming and can't stuff it. Oh, it's not easy by any means. No, no yeah, the, yeah, I'm not saying that. Oh no, yeah, it's kind of impressive that they're able to do it so much because a lot of teams that's been a bit that and the jet sweep have been two offensive plays that have been so much more utilized this year. And honestly, I'm pretty happy about it because the QB sneak just works. Like if you need a yard, the QB sneak should work like 90 percent of the time. Unless you're playing the Vikings, then it probably won't work. But against any other team, so. They got a goal line stop, and that was about the game. And it was super exciting. I mean, the, the Jets' final drive to get down to the goal line was just – it felt like fourth down after fourth down, crazy conversion after crazy conversion, Garrett Wilson and Mike White balling. And, I mean, it, it really feels like even though the loss, this team is kind of bought in on Mike White right now. A number of the offensive players – I'm talking like over a dozen – Showed up, and you know, NFL players like doing their fancy pregame outfits and being all dripped out and just looking cool. Indeed. Like the entire Jets offense pulled up in Mike White shirt. And if you're the front office for the Jets, you're, you're asking yourself, did we really waste that second overall pick on Zach Wilson? Like, is he listen, done? Listen here, listen here. Don't start talking bad on Zach. Hide your mama, Wilson. Listen. <laughs> man, the man can play some ball, and I think he's hurt. Right, he's hurt still, right? No, no, no. He, he was never hurt. I thought he was hurt. Well, he for was like... hurt at the beginning of the year. He was hurt at the beginning of the year, saying. and then he came back he healthy. And he sucked, and then they benched him for Mike White. Listen, I think Zach has had some unfortunate media outings that have. Greatly impact, impacted his ability to be liked on the team. Um, uh, I, you know, for, I, I joke about the whole hide your mama thing. Um, that probably didn't have as much of a negative as the you, what was it? He came out and he's like, "Yeah, it's not my fault." Uh, yeah, he said uh, he after he scored, scored three, three points. points yeah, like three points of offense. He said, and, and like, he asked if it was his fault. He said no. And so, like, uh, my, so. Fa- my favorite thing was like, didn't they hold him to like ten points too? Like the D. Yeah, well, they, well, the, the the defense the defense held them to three, and no, the special teams three. gave up a touchdown. Oh yeah, and they gave up a touchdown at, on the punt. Yeah, yeah, literally, it's just like 
I don't know, dog. I think it's kind of all on you there. I mean, I think the New York lights are getting to Zach Wilson a little bit. I think the the bright lights and the fame, they're having a little negative effect on our our boy from 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 from, from simple beginnings. I mean, yeah, I think what this really shows, though, for the Jets at least, like I think George is right where the Jets like are actually looking like a pretty competent team. Like they have a pretty good roster. They're playing well. I mean, Mike White didn't. Mike White lit it up in terms of the yardage he gained, but he threw two picks, had a fifty-five percent completion on the day. The man, like, listen, I think he's way he's playing way better than Zach Wilson, and they shouldn't sit him. But what I think this really shows is that. If the Jets have competent QB play, they can actually win or win a, win close games or just be in games with really good teams. But I know a lot of people are going to meme on the Vikings and you know say like, oh, they they haven't beat anyone or oh, you know they're 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 a fraudulent ten and two team, but they're still a good team. They're still they're still solid. They they play hard. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the league record wise, and I think they're still one of the best teams in the league. But you know, I just think this shows that with a competent QB in for the Jets who just runs their offense, not even doing anything super crazy. I mean, obviously, George, you talked about the Braxton Berrios catch that, or the Braxton, Braxton Berrios drop, right? That was a good throw. And he, and he did have a few good throws during the game, but if you just have a guy in there that can just run the offense, the Jets can win. So, I mean, I I, I think this is just more of a, a negative against Zach Wilson at this point that Mike White's been able to go out there and look really good for two straight games. Or just better at, than him. If you look at production of their their two young stud receivers, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. When Zach Wilson was in, these dudes were like completely invaluable. They had nothing going on for them. But now that Zach Wilson's out, like Garrett Wilson's won rookie of the week two weeks in a row now. Elijah Moore's not looking to get traded out anymore. He's getting his targets and the production is just flying up right now and it's it just seems like Mike White might be the answer to, for the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if he's the long-term answer, right? Like, I mean, like the, the dude had a QBR of 23 and had a pass rating of 59 points. For the pass rating isn't that bad, but the QBR of 23 is pretty bad. Um, I, uh, but, like, I think it's kind of similar to, like, the Heineke situation and one situation, right? I think you roll with the hot hand. And then next year, maybe you draft a guy who can sit behind Mike White and try and beat out Zach Wilson. Because I, I'm, I've been down on Zach Wilson since his rookie year, and I'm fine with saying that I think they should move on. I know they get put they, um, they, they drafted him second overall, so there's a lot invested there. But like, if you're the Jets, I think you just got to really analyze this and be like, okay, he's lost the locker room. We put in a, I said, what Mike White when he came out was like a fifth round pick, sixth round pick, right, something like that. We're putting this guy who's been. He's been in the league for a few years anyway, but you know, we put in this like kind of journeyman QB, never started, has looked better than Zach Wilson in like every single start that he's had. Like, I think it's just all lining up to Zach Wilson is the problem for this team because the team performs aside from Zach Wilson. I mean, like you said, the receiver, like Garrett Wilson, I think is averaging like 140 yards a game now over two games, which is crazy. The defense has been playing good all year, and so I, I just like you said, I just think. Uh, I, I think that I think it's all it's all coming up Zach Wilson in terms of the issues with this team. Yeah, I'm not done on him yet. Listen, sliding you if he gets listen the way he slid, slid into his mother's friends DMs, bro. 
I don't know. There's something about that attitude that you need. There, he's a dog. I think there's a competitor in him. I think, I think he needs to some reexamination. I think he needs to, to to head back to the locker room and take this in and come out and maybe be more of a team player. Um, because I I think a lot of it is the locker room. I I guess like I'm a Steelers fan, but like a big thing that I always hear complimented about Mike Tomlin is keeping the locker room vibes in check, and especially when you got personalities like. Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown coming through your your locker room. Mike uh, Mike puts a big emphasis on that. And so, like, part of me is, like, I feel like a Steelers QB would never have come out and said that in the first place because they would have known they lost their job if they say that. Most you people's know? QBs would have said that. But that's my stupid. point is, like, yeah. th- th- to come out and say that, you have to have a reason for that. To me, it sounds I, I think like he's just, disgruntled with the organization. If at that point, I mean, I maybe I think I think it's just immaturity. I oh, think it it's could just be. Very, it could it, be, I guess. But like, it, I'd like to say that he's he's shown maturity everywhere else, and so like, part of me wants to think it's not just him. I mean, yes, it was a well, bad I think, loss, so maybe he's being a little pouty about it. But at the end of the day, sure. I, if we're going just off performance, I agree. It probably should be the Mike White era. Well, I, I just think, you know, you have you have before the year even starts, you have the, uh, the the mom incident, we'll call it right, which brings a lot of unneeded outside attention into the locker room. And then you have him get hurt in the preseason. So he's really not with the team for the first like start of the year. Right. You have Joe Flacco and Mike White. Then he comes back, doesn't really have any good games, might have had one good game, I believe, but doesn't really have any good games. You know, they're 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 winning in spite of him, not and not because of him. And. If this was, in my opinion, if this was his first offense, like in terms of him saying, oh, no, it wasn't my fault. This was his first offense. And there was like nothing else that was said behind closed doors. And like the team liked him. I think they'd overlook it. Right. I think like an apology after like a day, you know, they'd overlook it and move forward. I just think he's there's probably been a lot going on in that locker room behind the scenes that we don't know about. And that no publicly was just enough for the team to be like, F this dude. We don't we don't want to play for him. Like. I just think it's kind of a, everything just accumulating, and now it was just it hit the climax, right? It just you know, no, this yeah. is where we're at now. Zach Wilson's on the bench, and Mike White is the starter for the New York Jets, and it's all because of Zach Wilson. So I mean, yeah. you know, maybe like you said, like you said, Nighter, maybe he can still turn it around. You know, maybe this time on the bench will give him some reflection time, and he'll really be able to come back stronger. But I've, I've never been a Zach Wilson fan, so this is kind of just what I've expected. But uh, no, yeah, maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe maybe next year he'll come out and be, might, be a better Well, sort of sunsetting this game, it might be the sunset of Jack, Zach Wilson at the end of the day. I think that's what we might have come to the conclusion here. But now I think we could get on to some favorite team analysis. Um, and, and James, I'm going to pass it right back to you with this thriller of a game the nail biter all the way down to the, 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 the end of ot commander's giant oh yeah i'm uh as as any fan wouldn't any any fan in general wouldn't be happy with the tie but kind of just taking an objective look at this game the fact that washington came out of this with a tie is honestly kind of a miracle because early on they played really well they got to a 10-0 lead and then just watched that lead disappear they gave up. I think it was seven. They was uh, they gave up ten straight. Then took the lead back at thirteen ten. 
then went down 20 to 10 and and then came back obviously to tie the game um in the last two minutes like they had a 90 yard drive in about in about a minute 50 i believe it was like they got the ball back with like three minutes 50 left they drove 90 yards and scored um but yeah like there were only three like like uh, the first quarter and then the last drive of this game were the only time Washington looked really good, at least offensively. The defense, I think, overall played well. Um, the the only really big play they let up was the Darius Slayton deep ball, um, which there was a rookie corner against Slayton. Slayton took advantage, and then I think the I think it was Christian Holmes, who was the rookie corner, went out after that. Um, you know, like they, they they let Barkley run on them a bit, but Barkley's going to do that. What really killed them, though, was Daniel Jones going over 70 yards on the ground. Some of that being scrambles, but but Danny Dimes wasn't throwing dimes. He was fucking running. But, uh, yeah, he was – yeah, no, I mean, they just – they that, that killed him. The 70 yards on the ground killed him. I mean, it's inexcusable. You can't do that. I really was hoping, hopeful that they could stop that. They didn't. I also do want to point out, though, before moving on to the offense, that you know, Payne and Allen, like I said last week, are, in my opinion, the best defensive tackle duo in the league. Proved it again this week. 12 tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss, and and held Barkley to only 3.8 yards of carry. I mean, as a duo, if you're doing that, I mean, you're you're doing great things there. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, big shout out to you guys. Played a great game. You weren't the reason we, we tied that game. <laughs> um, the And the Washington offense itself had moments. They got off to an early lead, like I said, 10-0, but really couldn't sustain it. It's kind of the same issue they've been having. They get in the red zone and then just can't convert. Um, and I want to point out, the tight end group today was so bad, or yesterday was so, so bad. I mean, I think they had three or four holding penalties, dropped balls. It was just, it was so bad. I mean, we the, the team ran well on the ground behind uh, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, but – it, the, the line didn't help them at all. Neither did they help Heineke. I mean, Heineke had two f- fumbles because uh, he just didn't have time to throw. Man was hit from his blind side twice, and just the ball came out. They recovered one of them, didn't recover the other. Just, uh, just the O line and the tight end group today just did not play well. And in fairness to the O line, they were hurt, so I can give them a little bit of uh, I can be lax on them a bit because they did lose their center in the middle of the game, and they did lose their starting right guard in the middle of the game. But man, the tight end group need to play better. And then special teams, aside from that, they played bad. Special teams were bad today. Aside from Tressway, the punter, punter played great. But uh, Salimus, 52-yarder, had a few bad penalties on special teams. Just can't be doing that in a close game, and that's why they tied. However, before, before moving on to um, before we're on the Niners game of the week or his or Steelers game, I just also want to point out that we talked, that we talked last week about the Heineke versus Wentz debate. And in this game, I think it proved why Heineke should start over Wentz. And I'm I'm pretty sure Rivera in a press conference said that when Wentz comes back, they are going to go with Heineke still. The Wentz is going to be the backup until he's needed to start. So, which I think is a good decision because in this game, Washington gave up four sacks, and there should have been a lot more. And the only reason they didn't give up more is because Heineke was able to move around in the pocket. Or and extend plays. If Wentz is in there, Wentz is taking eight to nine sacks. That and the fact that Heineke gets the ball out quickly because he knows the offense. Like the two reasons we talked about, I talked about last week, why Heineke should be in instead of Wentz, just showed up today. Like if Wentz was in, they would have lost the game. The fact that Heineke was in 
They didn't win, but they tied. So, again, that, to me, this game just is a, a, real, a real referendum as to why Heineke should start over one. No, and I think the Steelers, had a pretty at the good game. Steelers at the beginning of the year had a very similar situation. I think this is, like, the same exact argument is why Kenny came in for mm-hmm. Mitch. Mitch was just staying in the pocket, and he wasn't moving, and he wasn't feeling a blitz coming. And so he was getting sacked four or five times a game, and everyone was getting a little annoyed with that. And so, like, I definitely understand um, transitioning to a more mobile back. Or a quarterback, um, but I mean, when you just have a bad O line, you just you I mean, have to like you can't way. afford I mean, a, same a for stature the back there. Same for the Steelers. <laughs> James, I, I do got to ask this. What's up? Heineke's inability to stretch the field like once, at least like once used to be able to. I don't even know if Wentz can anymore. But MVP season twenty seventeen Eagles Wentz. I mean, I'm looking at the Heineke stats right now. He only averaged. 6.7 yards per completion. Um, and so he's dinking and diamond. That might also be why I was avoiding some sacks. Do you think that's going to hurt you when you get to the playoffs and you catch a team like the Vikings that have Justin Jefferson or the Cowboys that have CeeDee Lamb that are going to try to stretch the field? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that's a limiting factor. I mean, I've, I've, very, I've been very open. Like, I love Heineke, but, like, he has a limited QB. He does a few things really well. Hence his mobility, you know, feeling pressure. And he's a great leader. And he's really good at, you know, like I said, he knows the offense, like the back of his hand. He's been in the offense for six years because he's been with Scott Turner for six years. So the dude knows where the ball should go and when. But, yeah, no, his arm is 100% a limiting factor. And that's the reason they brought in Wentz is because Heineke physically is a limitation. And they were hoping Wentz could, you know, elevate them. However, you know, 2017 Wentz wasn't what they got. Honestly, they didn't even really get 2021 Wentz. You know, they got probably just I, – I, they probably did get 2021 20, once, but maybe a little bit more mobile. Dude just can't move in the pocket. And off Washington's line this year has been really banged up and hasn't been as good as it should have been. So, you know, you can't have an immobile QB back there. And that's why, you know, whether or not Heineke limits them, I think it – ceiling-wise, I think their floor is raised so much higher with him and just because he knows he knows where the ball should go and can extend plays where once can't. And he still does have a few deep completions. It's not pretty. Like, the deep completions aren't pretty by any means. But he gets the ball the ball in the hands of his receivers. Jahan Dotson had a huge play at the end of the game to tie it. Terry McLaurin had a huge touchdown. And, I mean, if you can do that, it's all you really need. And they have a good defense. So, if, they, if their defense plays well, I think he can just manage the game. They can, they can stay in any game with any team. I mean, they've proven that they can beat the Eagles, and they've proven they could, you know, keep it close and almost beat the Vikings. So, I mean – Two best teams in the NFC. They've, uh, or I, they haven't played the Cowboys yet with Heineke, but uh, two of the best teams in the NFC. Uh, they've stayed close with. So yeah, I think they can. All right. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, I think I can take over here. You know, we've got one last favorite team game here. My my Steelers pulling it oh, off yeah. against the Falcons. It's been a while. No, since no, I've... we got to give George his due. Oh, George that's you're right. You're right. Game. Sorry. I'm... George got to talk so much at the beginning. I thought that was all we had to hear from him here. You know, I was getting a little. But Steelers Falcons. Um, it's been a while since the Steelers have got back to back wins. Um, it's been a while for a lot of things. Um, for this big, big, big thing I got to say. I know he's on my fantasy team, so I'm a little biased towards it. But Pat Fryermuth breaking the Steelers' 21 game streak without a 50 yard or more pass, with just shoving people out. You know, he would have went the whole way if Gunner wasn't being stupid in front of him. You know, like I was, 
I was I was I didn't even get to watch this game. I was driving back from Michigan. I was in my car listening to this on the radio, and I I was just happy to hear Firemove caught the ball because I was like, oh fuck yeah, I'm getting like two fantasy points. I hear he breaks the tackle. I'm like, oh Firemove shaking bodies, and then I hear Oshevsky's in the way, and I'm screaming like I'm in my car, I'm on the highway, and I'm screaming. But this was this was this was a glorious play to even listen to. It was just. But th- there was a lot of stats that I think were very weird. You know, I was kind of talking to George ahead of this. I, caught, I sort of called this week a conspiracy in the NFL. I'll start with the Steelers, and I can talk a little more about it later. But the Steelers, the one, the conspiracies that hit me there today were, one, us breaking our 21-game streak. But, two, um, Connor Hayward gets his first touchdown of the NFL year. I like watching this guy. He, I like the way he plays. And you, there's something about that family. I don't know what they got in him. But I, I, I think having more than one Hayward on your team is not a bad idea. Um, when we're looking at other things, though, um, we got to look to their dad, who was a former Falcon. We're playing, at, we're playing at the Falcons. And this is where he gets his first touchdown. And I was just like, oh, that's nice that, you know, he gets his first touchdown. Um, it, where he plays, uh, his former, where his parent formerly played. I mean, it was one of the teams his dad formerly played at. But I start hearing a lot of things around the end. There's a lot of different stuff. We'll talk about it later potentially. But staying on the Steelers game, you know, there was a lot of weird stuff I think happening. Um, you know, we were talking positively about Deontay last week, and I think a little scary, a little negative here. The drop showed back up. Um, he had a couple of them in this game. And I can't necessarily say how contested they were. Again, I was listening. But the commentators did make it very clear that those counted as drops. Um, so I was a little disappointed. Uh, hear, I was a little disappointed to hear that. Because he was, he was clutching up last week. And I was like, oh, okay, we could maybe get a little. He dropped the touchdown. He finally had his opportunity to get his touchdown this year. He drops it. Um, and, and, and another thing, too. I talked about it last week. The Friermuth reliance and then uh, the, the lack of Friermuth at all showed itself. First half, let's look at the first drive. The Steelers passed to Pat Friermuth on third down four times back-to-back on the first drive. He caught it the first three. The fourth time was in the end zone. Or, I, or somewhere like that. A later one maybe was the end zone one. But first half... Muth puts up three receptions for like 67 yards, 70-something yards maybe, I think. Dude was balling out. Second half doesn't get a catch at all. Nowhere to be found. He has a couple, I think he gets targeted a couple times. But it it once again shows what I kind of critiqued last week, which is that the Steelers can only play one half of football. We go into this half. Up with a big lead, you know, we our offense isn't performing well, but, you know, we start off field goal, field goal, touchdown, and then field goal, I think. You know, like, we're looking decent. We're, we're turning things out, and then we just stalled. Like, practically the first four-fifths of uh, the second half, we don't play until we absolutely need to and let the Falcons back in the game, you know? It's, it's I mean, I'm happy with the way our de- certain things performed. Um, our defense holding the run to what we did was pretty good. You know, I'm a Cordell Patterson fan. I'm invested in his trading cards. But we shut down the bo- the run, which was good. But I think there are also things to critique on defense. Like, one, I didn't hear T.J. Watt's name once called. Um, 
I don't think he did much last week. He might have got some tackles or something potentially, but I don't think he got a sack. I I don't know what's I know he's still hurt. He's playing with like braces and stuff. But I I don't think TJ's near even close to 100% yet. And I think our sack numbers are showing it because those still aren't back. And I, I think it's definitely helpful. I think the one place I did notice him in TJ Watt, he made a good pass coverage play, which is something I don't think our backups have the ability to do. Our backups were just sort of just charged because that's what we tell them to do. Um, but, TJ Watt is an animal. No, and that's true. But I, I, I mean, I'm sure he's getting the double. Don't get me wrong. But I, I was very disappointed to not hear his name more often. And... I think just on both sides of the ball, even on special teams, we were letting a lot of long. We 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 let so many long runs through. Like, I we had a Presley Harvin's punt at the end to pin him on the one yard line though was so nice. So compliment. But this is the thing: there's so many good things on special teams. It's it's not like the Steelers could have a normal performance. It's like we have all this good stuff to talk about, and then we have all this really bad stuff to talk about. And it's like we gotta. And every week. We we can't just have a good week. We have to ha- we have to give them a chance to get back in it, and I hate that. I mean, it makes games fun to listen to, I guess, but it's it, my nails are very not present, you know. Um, <laughs> and that's all I've got to say about this game. Um, we've got a it. I the only other thing that came out of this game a little controversy was in halftime. I don't know if you guys saw the clip or not, but I sort of hinted at it at the beginning of the show with James's attitude, Mike Tomlin like yelled at this one fan at halftime like apparently he was like on his way to the locker room to give his talk so like people this the the, i I was watching it on the mcafee show cover i know i watch a bit of this and this is where i get it but like um much like they said i as a steelers fan don't care at all like when i hear this i'm like yeah that's my coach you know that's my boy like that's a dog mentality but mike tomlin's just like walking out and he's walking and this guy has like his phone in like a selfie stance he's like Oh, Mike Tomlin. And he's like, fuck, man, I'm working. <laughs> and he just ignores <laughs> him. <laughs> and I'm like, apparently there was a lot of controversy. Apparently people wanted to give Mike Tomlin smack for, like, being focused. But apparently this was, like, literally five steps away from the locker room. Like, I don't know why this fan was there. And as a Steelers fan, I'm like, this is a dog mentality. This man's working. We got a game to win. I appreciate it. Now, am I more disappointed with the way we came out in that second half after he's telling that fan he was working here? I don't know what Mike was working on there because we just started performing <laughs> worse. But you know, I like the attitude. I like the attitude. And that was a little – I want that – I want someone to make like an EDM club beat to that. Fuck, man, I'm working here. Just go crazy with that. I, I want it. I want it now. It would be a Steelers hype song for forever and ever. Um, But – Oh, that's the story. I want to know what work he was doing in the tunnel. That, no, I, I do too. I Because cause it, it went downhill afterwards. It did not go well. Um, I mean, I, I guess in fairness to the Steelers, I, will, I, I know like Mike Tomlin's like a really ro- well-regarded coach in the league. But I do think that Arthur Smith, the Falcons head coach, is a very good coach, at least offensively. Like I, I can't tell you how the Steelers' um, offense just was kaput after – after the, the half, but uh, I can understand the Falcons' offense showing some life after halftime. Arthur Smith is a good head coach. He runs a really good scheme. It's a very run-heavy scheme right now, and I think partially that's because he has Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Um, maybe not Maybe not for long, though. They hinted at a QB change might be coming in Atlanta soon, so, so they might be putting in Desmond Ritter soon. 
Really? But I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, they, uh, someone asked Arthur Smith after the loss, like if there's any, you know, they're playing on any changes. And he said there, there might be a QB change. We'll have to see how it goes in the week. So uh, they might be putting Desmond Ritter in the next few weeks, which will be uh, interesting. But we can talk about that more later. But uh, um, anyway, yeah, I think, I think offensively it makes sense that the Falcons kind of came back in this game. But yeah, uh, neither you're – the Steelers can't play two halves of football. They just it, can't do it. They, they can't. Dude, I – and, and, you know, heading into Ravens week, and, you know, Lamar's hurt, hopefully. I'm hoping that stays because we need we need every blessing we can get. But that's, who's their backup? Oh, God, it's – I don't even know. I Wait, for what team? For the Ravens. Um, for the Ravens of Huntley. Oh, God. We're, the Steelers play so bad against backups that, like, I'm scared. Honestly, I, I, you know, <laughs> honestly though, Nider, I'm looking at the Steelers' schedule. I, I really think there's a way that you guys no, that's actually what I'm telling you. 500 that's what this I'm year. Saying. We might have. I, that last week, I was like, I was like, it could be a losing season, but but I'm looking at it, and I'm telling you, boys, if we could just pull it together, if we could just, if we could just grin it out, we could get some Steelers toughness. We're not even out of the playoffs yet, James. We still have Vegas odds to get into the playoffs because it's possible. Because <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, you. Like, I'm looking at your schedule. You have the Ravens with a backup QB. You have the Panthers, the Raiders. The Raiders have been looking hot. The Ravens again, which Lamar should be back, but no one really knows. No, Lamar and then the Browns. Back. No, the Lamar who have a, bro- who have a, who have a broken QB. So no, but here's there's one the one game I'm worried about. There, I agree. Um, is the Raiders game. But let me tell you something about that Raiders game. Here's you want some big you want some big predictions ahead of time. Steelers are winning that game by like thirty. <laughs> you want me to tell you why? That is New Year's Eve. That's gonna be some snowy Pittsburgh football. And you know what? That is our Hall of Fame inauguration day. Franco Harris is in the building. Big Ben Roethlisberger is gonna be in the building. Jerome Bettis is going to be in the building. Troy Palomalu is going to... All of the Steelers legends are gathering for this Raiders game because we're going to... If we don't win this game, it, it, it is. It's the it's the crux of the season. It's we're, we're, I'm telling you, everything's on the line here, and it's going to be cold, it's going to be snowy, and they ain't going to be able to throw the ball. Those those Raiders, they're going to be used to their, their warm weather. They're going to come into Pittsburgh. It's going to be in their in their little dome. They're good. Yeah. They they're going to get snowed on down in Acrisure Stadium. Uh oh god, I hate it. I hate I'm that. I'm I'm be I'm be real though. I don't know if a big animated ketchup bottle makes noises when TJ Watt gets a sack. Yeah. It's going to be they're not they're not going to know what's happening. It's going to be a blizzard and the only flash of color these Vegas guys are going to see is the neon lights of our ketchup bottle. And as they're like days looking up at it, they're going to be like, "Oh, Vegas lights, we're home. It's gonna be a big Heinz ketchup bottle, <laughs> and then some like no. alternative metal song named Renegade comes on. Dude, oh, it'll be wow. incredible. <laughs> Although, not to play devil's advocate, I don't know if I don't know if anyone can stop Josh Jacobs on the ground right now. But I like Dude, the prediction. Uh, listen, there. we're six. We're the sixth best run defense. I like. I like our. I'm not saying we're gonna stop him completely. But we stopped – the Falcons were the second-best rushing offense in the NFL, and we held them to, like, under 100 rushing yards. 
That's a dog. No, I mean it's it that's solid. I mean like and, and we we have some weeks until this game, so we'll see if the Raiders are even gonna be playing for anything. Because they're I mean, they're playing themselves back into playoff contention too right now. I mean they're the same record no, as you guys, so they've got the same that, chance as you guys. I, we might not win that game by thirty. <laughs> like I'm pretty, <laughs> like I'm memeing. But I, no, everything, I get it, I get it. everything about that week is telling me the Steelers are pulling it off. No, but I hear you. But uh, we're, anyway, we're we, got, us, we yeah. still have we still have we still Georgie. have Georgia's favorite team. We got the best through, game so. of the week going down. Um, all right, all right. Browns, sure. Texans, sure. Colts. Final score was twenty-seven to fourteen. I predicted thirty-one to six, and let me tell you guys, when I was watching this game, it was very close to ending up like that. Houston got a trash time touchdown, and they also got a stop in their territory late in the game. So my score prediction was very close to being right, but we ended up easily covering the spread. Um, the story of the game was the Browns' defense and special team. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a punt return touchdown. Um, the Browns had two defensive touchdowns, Tony Fields the second and Denzel Ward. Nice to see the Warden back out there getting active and everything. And, I mean, I think uh, just about anyone who plays professional football could have scored the touchdown that Denzel Ward scored. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's nice seeing him out there making big plays for the Cleveland Brownies. Um, but no one cares about the Browns' defense and special teams. We have to talk about the important, and that's Deshaun Watson's performance. Um, Deshaun Watson was 12 for 22, 131 in an interception. Um, especially in the second half of the game, he barely attempted passes simply because we didn't need him to. Nick Chubb was averaging five on the ground. Kareem Hunt was averaging six. And that's what the Browns need to stick to throughout the rest of the season. And they need to realize that if they want to win out and have a shot at these playoffs. Um, I mean, Chubb and Hunt are animals on the ground. It's starting to get colder. You don't need to be throwing that ball through the air. But Sean Watson's, we'll call it his rust, was somewhat concerning if you're a Browns fan. Now, the guy hasn't played football in 700 days. In one week of practice with the team, so I didn't expect him to come out here and look like Patrick Mahomes. But he was particularly bad in his accuracy, especially short passes like slants. He was just burying them in the dirt. And then I will say he had one bad – the interception was a bad play. He had one bad throw the interception. I think he just simply did not see the guy underneath. I think he thought he had Amari Cooper one-on-one in the end zone. And that guy cut underneath, and he just didn't even see him. Watching the game live, I didn't see him. I, when that ball got picked, I was like, whoa, how'd that happen? Um, he was playing a little bit of like a bullet safety kind of thing. But overall, I was pretty impressed outside of that pass by Deshaun's decision-making. Um, he looked like he was picking the right guys, and our receivers were getting a little bit of separation, but just inaccurate. Short, medium, long, just inaccurate all around, and – um. Again, first game, a little bit of rust, but and we got away with it because it was the Houston Texans. We had three defensive and special teams touchdowns, but next week against the Cincinnati Bengals, he's not going to be able to get away with that. So yeah, I was overall, say. <laughs> overall, I mean, the, here's the takeaway from the Browns game: defense and special teams looked incredible, and the run game looked incredible. Once you add that element of the passing game, which is what we've been missing all year, this team's going to be really hard to beat. But Wait. I got a question, George. I got a question. How many points do you have to be down in the Bengals game to put Jacoby Brissett back in? Oh, <laughs> um, 
You don't. Oh, really? I mean, here's the reality of the situation. You have an ESPN FPI 4.6% chance to make the playoffs. That means you could win out and not make the playoffs. Um, you need to see what this guy who you just paid $230 million guaranteed is made of. Um, I'm not saying the season's a wash. I know Browns players and fans alike are still like, we can make the playoffs. Um, but what I am saying is, statistically, the season's a wash, and you need to see what you have in Deshaun Watson. You need to see if this guy could go down two scores against an in-division rival in enemy territory and do something with the football. Or is he going to fold over? You need to see what you have. Um, obviously, they're going to try to win all their games and win every game the rest of the year. But seeing what you have in Deshaun Watson important elements of the rest of this, in my opinion, if Cleveland Browns offense coordinator. No, I would 100% agree with George there. Because, like, like I, I, I like the actual logic and rationale that went into that take. Um, because you're right. Like, they could win out and not make the playoffs. And you, you've dedicated, like, what was it, 250 mil? Right, that's that this contract, 250 mil for this dude? 230 mil. 230 mil, sorry. 230, my bad, my bad. Um. It's not 230 mil. This guy, you have to see what you have, what you've got, and I'm gonna go into this a little bit more. But uh, there's a there's a good few layers of rust on the man, and you need to get that try and get that rust off. I don't know if you need to use some WD40, you know, or what you gotta do, but you know, you gotta make sure this dude knows how to play. But uh, I, mean, I also want to point. I, mean, I would even say what? real quick, you could notice he was looking better in the second half than the first half. Like I think the rust was coming. Like it was that noticeable. I I watched the game. Along with the with the uh, Commanders game, I was paying more attention to the Commanders game, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I watched every snap. Man didn't look good at any part of that game. <laughs> like if you like, you can say that he looked better yeah, in the I, second I half, less bad in second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he looked less bad. He looked like you know a fourth of Jacoby Brissett in the second half <laughs> than an eighth of him in the first half. And I'm I'm pushing back a little bit on your comment, George, about the no passing game. When Brissett was in, the Browns, I think, had, like, the fifth-best passing attack in the league. Like, their offense wasn't the issue when Brissett was in. Oh, no, their defense so, was always letting them down. Like, and your defense had, played well. The Browns had the fifth-most efficient offense in the league. But the passing was at, like, 15 or 16, and the rushing was at, like, three. So I mean, that's – I mean, dude, that's still good. Like, if you have a top half very average the Browns were a very average throwing of the football team. And I saw some flashes from Deshaun that um, you could not see with Brissett. Some of his elusiveness and design QB runs worked incredibly well. But Stefanski, he didn't use a lot of design QB run. I mean, there's a couple plays Deshaun Watson avoided a sack. That was something that Brissett never would have done. But um, I think only one or I think about two design QB runs for Watson. And it was just because we didn't need to. Um. Especially in the second half, the Browns were in control of the game. Chubb was rushing for 4.7 a carry. Kareem was rushing for 6 a carry. Wasn't necessary. And um, I think Kevin knows that. And I think Kevin was in the it, – it, it felt like we were just an idol. We were just kind of cruising through that, that football game, knowing we, we were just simply the more talented team on the field. I mean, yeah, it's not the, it's not hard to be the more talented team against the Texans. That team, that team is really bad. <laughs> that team is very, very bad. You're not you're – not, Throwing flea flickers and triple reverses and fake punts against the Texans. You're just going to go through. You're going to hand the ball to Nick Chubb. You're going to win the game. No, that's fair. 
But I think I think the real test for the Browns is going to be again. I know you guys have beat the Bengals earlier this year, but I think the real test is going to be, you know, the Bengals have looked really good the last few weeks. Your defense has looked good for two straight weeks now. One them being against the Texans' offense, which is just abysmal. I mean, they're starting Kyle Allen there with brain with Brandon Cooks as the number one option, and you know you played them against the Buccaneers, which was a good win, but. The Buccaneers' offense hasn't been what anyone thought it would be all year. Their lines really hurt. I, I don't. I think Godwin and Evans both played that game, but their receivers have been in and out of the lineup. So, Everyone I would like to see your defense God, perform against a really good Cincinnati offense. Well, like, that's what I, I want to see. Honestly, it's the last time we played the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football, we held under thirteen points. Miles Garrett had like three sacks. He was just an absolute menace. And right now. Stat. I mean, he's still putting up stats this year, but if you look at like efficiency ratings and compare it to the double teams and just like who's the most impactful defensive player in the NFL this year, it's Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is playing on a level that's just incomparable to anyone else at the moment. And I know there are people, there are a few players that have more sacks than him, but all around, I mean, he he's by far the most double teamed player in the league. And he's still producing at the highest level. So he and he, he showed it against the Bengals. And we're, I think the Bengals are going to game plan for him and double team him more than they did the last time. But if the same Browns defense shows up that they did against the Monday night game earlier this year against the Bengals, I feel great. Even if Deshaun Watson still as rusty as could be. But if it's not that Browns defense and we don't get after Burrow, it could turn into a long game quickly. No, yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, uh, we're gonna talk about this game a little bit more later. No, um, sure, sure. But uh, Nader, do you want to do you want to introduce the uh, community team? Yeah, we could. It was you know it's a little sad week for us. You know, George. George predicted it. George George had it coming yeah. ahead of time, but we did not have a good performance from our Jags this week. They they it fell. Lost. Forty to fourteen, jeez. At home, yeah. So it, was, it, was you know. at home. it was at home. But I mean, Trevor's hurt. Yeah. Trevor looks like he got hurt, right? Um, Is yeah. That so long term. I, I was gonna talk. Well, we could talk about this now. Yeah. Um, Trevor had an MRI yesterday on his left foot, and Doug Peterson's only report on it is it looks promising. He's officially okay. listed as questionable for. Next week's game against Tennessee in division who, game. Who do we have backing us up? Who's our backup QB down? Um, CJ Bethard. Oh, okay. That's not that's terrible. Um, it's pretty terrible. Uh, I mean, it, it could be worse. Tim Blow could be out there. Yeah. So, um, you need Trevor to play if you want to change. Well, can you fight. still you can still pick up people this late in the season, right? Yeah, off of, off of practice squad, you can, yeah. Hear me out, hear me out. Well, there's someone that just got dropped down oh, in Pantherland. We'll talk about this in, in the breaking news. I, I forgot that just happened. Wait, who just got dropped down? Oh, yeah, oh, oh wait, yeah, you're right. I'm done. Yeah, Baker I mean, Mayfield. All right, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, later. We'll talk about that later. Let's summarize this game a little bit more. Um, uh, Lions, I don't know. I don't even want to say the Jags' defense looks terrible. The Lions but it, are it, it, going crazy. The Lions' offense was insane. Jared Goff is playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. Amon Ross St. Brown is a, playing like a top five receiver in the league. And the Swift and Jamal Williams backfield is like 
Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb-esque. It's a hard-nosed one-two punch. There's two guys that would get reps on in any backfield in the NFL. There's got to be something to say, though. Oh, my ETN God. has Were a there... really rough start to the game. You know, Sorry, it, we, have, we have other breaking news after this section oh that just gosh. happened. Oh my goodness, we're going crazy. Today. But my big thing <laughs> the is, Titans, there's, the there's something about starting. GM. There's something about starting at your 21, getting a four yard run, and then fumbling the next play. That's really rough, you know, about starting a game. You know, yeah. No, when 100%. you get the ball, you're like, oh, this is good. You're trying to get some momentum, and then you're like consistent. Etn fumbles the ball on play two this game. Like it, it is hard, and then they come back with a touchdown, like on a, on a. You know, they start at the 38, and they still manage to put together a three-minute drive, you know, this first drive, the Lions. Like, yeah, I mean, you, They again, got picked apart. I, I think the Lions are, a bet, are better than a 5-17. and 17. Like, they, like, offensively, they have so many weapons. When, I think the, the, the point of this game, really, at least to me, from what, I've, from what I watched of it, and from just seeing the low sack numbers and low pressure rate of this game, is that and this is just true of any game that Jared Goff has played in Detroit, if his team is healthy and you give the man time, he will pick you apart. And Jacksonville could not get any pressure, which is which is disappointing considering they're off their first, they, you know, they did draft the first round, first overall edge rusher to be able to do that more. And maybe maybe he'll get better as, uh, as time goes on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you don't pressure a QB like Jared Goff, like Jared Goff isn't the best QB in the league. Like by any means, but if you give him time with all the weapons, he has the arm. He can make the plays, and I mean, you're just seeing it. I am disappointed though with Trevor Lawrence though for kind of regressing in this game because I do think he kind of regressed in the game. And that was not fun. Statement: Trayvon Walker is the most. I'm not. He's, I'm not going to say he's going to be the biggest bust at a number one overall pick ever because I think he's not bad, and I think he could produce in Jacksonville for years to come. But he's the most untalked about number one overall pick in the NFL draft ever, and it's not even close. No, hundred percent. You're completely right. Like I, and I think that was the issue with. No, but I think going into the draft, there, there was there was that issue, right? Because you had either him or Hutchinson. I don't think Hutchinson's really been that good this year either. He's been better, but I don't think he's really been amazing either. Huge production on the national championship Georgia team. Had an insane combine. It's picked number one overall, and everyone acts like he doesn't exist. And I mean, hey, hey, George, maybe it takes him a year. Like maybe you know, next year he'll come out swinging and be a lot better. But it is really weird. It, and maybe that's just the reality of there were two DNs that were ranked one and two in terms of like draft order, and both of them probably should have been lower, but. You know, you you have to take what you got, and they went up with the high upside on athletic ability versus a guy in Hutchinson that was more, you know, um, as you could say, uh, more consistent. Like he has, he doesn't have the physical attributes of a Walker, but he has more of a more of the IQ there. But I, yeah. they just, he just, he's not living up to the hype. He's not living up to the hype at all. He's played in every game this year, and he has two and a half sacks. Um, he only has two and a half. And he's played in every game. And those both those both have come week one, then, I think. And his defensive snaps are all at like between 70 and 90%. So he's on the field. 
How many yeah. sacks has uh, has Hutchinson had? Has he been crazy this year? Because I don't think he's been crazy either. I think he's been better than him. I mean, he has six, and three of those came against Washington. Ironically, two of the sacks for for Walker and three of them for Hutchinson came against Washington when Wentz was playing. So I don't really hold much to those, but yeah, neither one is playing great. Neither one is playing up to expectations. Um, I, six sacks as a rookie with a, a number of games left in the season is not a bad number. I mean, you, you think he could probably get to about ten there? That's that's pretty good for a rookie. But that's the second overall pick, though. And I think that's different. I mean, like, Chase if you're won rookie of the year with twelve sacks. Yeah, yeah. If Hutchinson gets to ten, I mean, you're looking. Yeah, but Chase also had a lot more. Chase also had like a, a lot more forced fumbles than Hutchinson did. He had he had a he had a touchdown. Like Chase was a better player. Hutchinson's done some cool stuff this year. Like he has an interception. He's two interception. Um. No touchdowns on him, obviously. But, yeah, he has two interceptions. He has two pass deflections. Um, Hutchinson's playing well. But I think we've already kind of started leaning our way over there. Are we Are we ready for breaking news? I think so. I think yeah. we can move on. Do you want me to announce the breaking news that just came out? Breaking news. We'll start off. Yeah, we'll start with the live stuff. What is that, James? Let's start off. Here. The Titans have just officially fired their GM, oh. Joe Robinson. Uh-oh. Or John Robinson, sorry. You know this. Uh, don't want to spoil too much, but we, we had, I want to say for our na- this is a big this is big for our neighborhood watch team this week. It you is, know, a little craziness yeah, in a... Titanland. You know, especially with your worries about Trevor. You know, maybe a little shake up on the Titan side of the ball help you out. <laughs> That's but yeah. I do, mean... do we have any expected? Villains? Do we know who's interim? What's going on? I'm looking. I I don't know. A minute ago, so that's what I. Yeah, came out. I mean, I'm assuming their assistant GM. There are some big um, implications. The the Titans, despite the record they have, feel like this is a very underwhelming season. Well, because they haven't beat anybody. Their best win is the Washington Commanders, who is seven five and one. So hey, we're hey we're a pretty good team. I don't want to hear it. Um, but haven't they, they beat, I guess they played close against the Chiefs. They played a close game against the Chiefs, which was, considering they had Malik Willis playing at QB, that was good. But yeah, no, they haven't really had any marquee wins. Their division's really weak. Yeah, I, this just feels like a really weird time to fire their GM. I, I don't really understand it. Oh, okay, um. The only thing that we do have is that um, the VP of player personnel, Ryan Cowden, will lead player personnel for the rest of the year. Um, but that's the only information we have currently on who's replacing him. Can't but blame, can't blame the Titans for this move. If you look at the Titans roster, they're layering holes all over the place. Um, they still got old man oh, Tannehill. Yeah. Running the show, right? I don't, I don't even mind that. Tannehill's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, no, yeah. Or often, how are you going to have Derrick Henry not support that offensive line more? Their offensive line is well because he's Derrick Henry. Because even and if people get through, Derrick Henry just throws them. Outside of Derrick Henry, their skill room is absolutely awful. Like, 
I only oh, reason yeah. I can name a bunch of Titans skill players is because we live with a Titans fan, which has forced me to watch more Titans games than I ever wished to. Yeah, the Eagle, like some bad trade. Like the Eagles definitely won that trade. The big one. Oh, one hundred percent. AJ Brown went into Tennessee last week, or no? I guess it was in Philadelphia. But AJ Brown against Tennessee last week showed showed them that they lost the trade. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I mean, and Traylon Burks hasn't had a bad year, but he's not AJ Brown. AJ Brown didn't play well. He absolutely bullied the Tennessee Titans. Like, it wasn't, uh, oh, I'm going to beat you some skill or finesse. He said, I'm going to stand right here, and you're going to stand right here, and I'm going to grab this ball, and there's nothing you could do about it. it well, and the thing with the Titans is, like, they just are always so hurt. Like, at least the last, like, three, two or three years, they've just been so injured, and they just, their backups, like, they've been, they performed last year with a ton of backups, which is impressive considering they were the first seed. You know, lost in the first round, but they were the first seed and all that. But, I mean, when you look at, like, roster construction, like you were saying, George, like, their O-line has no depth. Their skill position, skill positions aside from Derrick Henry and Traylon Burks, who is doing well but has been hurt all year, is terrible. And their defense, like, their defense is solid. Like, they have a decent, they have a pretty good roster on defense, I think. But they've just been hurt. And it's just, it's bad. As good as Traylon Burks has or hasn't been, I don't think he's really special. Let's look at all the receivers picked around and after him in this draft that have been balling. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Han Dotson, George Pickett. Like, and Traylon hey, I don't Burks, know if Drake London's been balling this year. The Falcons don't throw. Drake London's been playing very Drake well. Drake London balled last, this week. Against the Steelers, <laughs> I had to oh, tell you really? that. I heard his oh. name a lot. These are all dudes picked right around Tra- Traylon Burks, like within five picks of him or picked after him. And Sky Moore, guys are like guys are all playing great. So even if you say he hasn't been a bust, he's been injured. He came into the draft knowing there was a history of injury. And all these other dudes are playing better. I would say right now he's the seventh best rookie receiver at this point in time. Like, no, you're you're completely Jameson right. Williams you're, you're right. Yeah, once Jameson Williams gets going, he's going to drop more. Yeah. No, he he might. And uh, honestly, this is only anecdotal evidence because. Oh, is that Mears? I think we might have lost James fan at the house. Oh, James yeah, no, there. sorry. Um, our resident Titans fan from the house was actually calling me when I was when I mentioned him. I, I summoned him, I guess. Um, but our resident Titans fan at the house has said that the Titans don't know how to draft and have drafted terribly aside from like Henry and maybe like one or two other players the entire tenure of this dude. So it's not really – I guess it's not really that surprising overall. But it just kind of—it's a weird time. I think it's a weird timing thing. Like you would think they would wait till after the year to do it. But what do I know? No. Well, we've got a lot of breaking news to keep talking about, though. Um, so we could—we've—we've we've got a one meaty week of breaking news. Um, George, you—you—you um, you, you seem particularly fond of this next guy. So if you want to, I'm talk- absolutely thrilled. To talk about the performance of Brock. Purdy, Mr. Relevant, last pick in the NFL draft out of Iowa State. Four-year starter at Iowa State. Has about every Iowa State record you could think of and some Big 12 records. Um, 
no one thought we'd be seeing Brock Purdy on the field this year. I mean, 49ers started the year with Trey Lance. He goes down early. No one even thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to see the field this year. Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and just leads this team up to a charge and being one of the best teams in the NFL. Now, a quick Jimmy G update. They thought he had a Liz Frank fracture in his foot, which is those are season ending. However, hey, Shannon, hey, 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 not for my boy Najee. No, well, uh. Najee didn't, didn't have a fracture. He had probably like a, a sprain or something like that. But if it breaks, you're done for the summer. Um, but according to Kyle Shanahan, yesterday, Jimmy Garoppolo's injury is not as bad as they first thought, and there's a chance we see him again this year. But that's irrelevant that's... because Brock Purdy balled out yesterday, playing a good Good team in the Miami Dolphins. That that was Tua Tagovailoa's first. The Dolphins' first loss with Tua starting this year. Tua starting and finishing the game, I should say. And the San Francisco 49ers hung, hung 33 on him. Brock Purdy, 25 for 37 for 210 and two touchdowns. And he's actually the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever complete a pass in the NFL. And historically i you know, I'd say okay that's just like a random draft position but historically quarterbacks do get taken at mr irrelevant just because it's kind of funny it's almost like a meme <laughs> across the league but um yeah just brock purdy came in and fred warner in a press conference after was actually hyping up brock purdy because you know being the third string quarterback he goes against the first team defensive practice on the scout team all the time and he said brock purdy has that it factor he has that drive he has that competitive spirit and that Fred Warner, the star linebacker, said he feels completely fine with Brock Purdy running that offense for the rest of this year. So, it, incredible performance from Brock Purdy. Um, just step in, go yeah, from no, being relevant to calling out and beating one of the best teams in the NFL. You know, and, you know, I we could talk about the interceptions, I guess, because he had two, right? Two interceptions, two. But no, overall, one. overall, we just got to compliment the guy coming out and doing it, I think, you know, round of applause all around by pat on the back, whatever we, whatever we could do for, for that boy, you know, he, he came out, he performed, you know, and that's all you got to do. I mean, as if that's your job as a backup is, that's what they're paying you to do, you know? No, it's a very, it's a very Heineke esque move to just yeah. come out in the middle of a big game and win. It reminds me of him a little bit, you know? Shout out to Brock Purdy and Heineke. But, uh, yeah. no, I think – He's for a 49ers player. <laughs> I mean, listen, man. Heineke has a good record in the league right now. But uh, but uh, Brock Purdy's undefeated. He showed out against the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, I think he at least showed the 49ers, like, like I'm not sure he's going to be able to do this every week. I hope so. Like, good for the dude if he's able to come out and, like, you know, make a name for himself in the NFL a little bit here. But – it at least shows the 49ers can be competent on offense, and their defense is obviously just good. Well, but they can I at least think, be competent on offense. I think and, it also you know, just goes win. to show how talented this San Francisco 49ers roster is. Like, oh, yeah. You could slot. I think you could put any. I think I could go be quarterback and hand the ball to Christian <laughs> McCaffrey, you know? Like, <laughs> um, if you just put Christian McCaffrey at quarterback, like, literally, literally, games. But um, I think. That's that's the story there. I think we don't need to talk much more about Purdy. You I actually do have a question off of oh. this though, off of the Dolphins' loss for you guys. Go for it. Um, based off of the Dolphins' loss, right? Because the Dolphins are like one of the top contenders in the AFC, and a lot of people thought that they could compete with, um, you know, you know the other three top teams in my opinion: the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals. 
after this Miami loss, you know, we, we can be quick on this. Who do you guys think is the top team in the AFC right now? Do you think it's the Bills who have kind of been the running favorite the whole year? Is it the Chiefs who just lost in a close game to the Bengals? Or is it the Bengals who beat the Chiefs and have been kind of rising from a, 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 a really off start at the beginning of the year? If you um, want to ask me who's the best consistently, I'd say the Bengals as much as it pains me to say. But if you want to ask who I think is going to have the biggest chance to go all the way, I'm going to say the Chiefs because here's right, my I'm going to push back on I'm going to push back on that. Here's my opinion. I'm going to push back. My opinion is I think the Bengals, yes, the Bengals I feel like in big games the Bengals have the best chance to win. However, I think the Bengals have shown it is very much a tale of two teams for them. They're either going to come out and they're going to slug you down or they're going to come out and they're going to look like garbage. Um, you got to remember who they've lost to this year. They've got a loss to the Browns. They've got a loss to the Steelers. Who else have they lost to this year? I've got to look it up. But these aren't particularly great names they lost of... the the Ravens. They've lost yeah. three division games, I think. Now, it's, I, I want to say this is much more concerning for me if I'm a football fan of this team. And this is me pushing back against you thinking the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs only have three losses this year. They have the best record. They've looked dominant all year, really. But you know who two of those losses are to? The Bengals and the Bills. Well, that's my that's the, the difference, though. So in here and beat up on the Titans. Jaguars and the Rams but when it came down to the two teams they're gonna have to beat in the playoffs they've lost here my, my point is they've lost but it's been close right uh, yeah is, no it's been close in my both point games. is is these are 50 50 games I understand that I understand but you're not gonna my Joe point bros three and0 against Patrick Mahomes Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's tell kind me the of, spread that's, that's going kind of into. Tell, what's the spread going into each of those? I'm willing to bet it's. Patrick like, Mahomes has been favored in every one of them. Yeah, but but how? By how much? Uh, sure I don't remember. Longer. I don't. I don't remember the line. I'm sure it hasn't game. got over. I'm sure it hasn't been more than three. That's my point. No, yeah. I mean, it's, you're it's, right, and I mean, honestly, I can I mean, in terms of like who I think will most likely make it to the Super Bowl. I would still say the Chiefs just because I I've looked at their schedule and they seem like that that's they have point. a pretty easy they have a pretty easy schedule to get the bye. And, that, and I think getting the bye is really important. Say. I didn't really get to talk about why I say the Chiefs either, but I don't know if you're going to go here James, but I just look at that roster and I get that Hill's not there anymore. But I mean, I think Travis Kelsey could win a playoff game on his own. Like, no, I, I love Kelsey. The if you put Travis Kelsey on the field, I think that man could win eleven on one. No, I think this Chiefs roster, top to bottom, is the best roster they've had in a long time. Like, I think like their defense actually looks pretty good. I think they have they have pretty good a pretty good secondary that underperformed in the game against the Bengals, and I think their offense is still really efficient despite lacking Hill. But I, what I was also going to say was, even though I like the Chiefs to like make it the most. In terms of just like a team that I think is the best, I I still just have to give it to the Bills because even though they have some injuries and Josh Allen's been inconsistent, they're just so good. I mean, like I mean, I, I just think top to bottom the Bills have as good of a roster as the Chiefs and they have more upside. 
I think the upside on the Bills is just better than the Chiefs because they have Diggs as that number one receiver. They have a good tandem in Singletary and James Cook. They ha- Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis kind of go back and forth in the number two role, but both of them are really solid. And their defense is starting to get healthy. you got Ed Oliver and Tim Settle um, on the D-line. Von Miller might be out for a few games, but he's going to come back and be good. Their, li- their linebackers, uh, Milano, I believe, is is their uh, best one. Solid. You got, um, I think it's tr- I think it's White in the secondary uh, and Poyer, but I, I might be wrong on the safeties and the corners. But I just think overall the Bills team just, well, I think it has a similar feel to the Chiefs roster. I just think they have more upside. So I'd say the Bills, in my opinion, are still the best. But there's an argument for the Chiefs. I'm not sold on the Bengals. I'm definitely that's, not sold that's on That's precisely the my point, I think, yeah. We just watched the Bengals beat the Chiefs. If you're not sold on them now, I don't know what's going to sell you. <laughs> but I, I think they're good. I think they're a top three team. I just think – I think they, their weaknesses that has been shown by the Browns specifically when they've, like, shown, like, what you can do with a good edge rusher and have a good plan of attack against them. All right. We didn't even plan on talking about that. Yeah. But – I'm gonna, Let's talk something about that Niners. Yeah, I y'all y'all weren't as crazy about this as I am, but I've been reading so much. I, I'm looking at the news for this, right, and I'm seeing so many different stories about this. It's it's being reported everywhere. Everybody's talking about it right now. Tom Brady is he going back to New England next year? I I've been watching Tom Brady this year. You know, I've been critiquing his meltdowns and saying I think it's finally the end of him. I was. I when I saw this rumor, I my head almost exploded because I was like, "This year's the final year I have to watch Tom Brady." And you know, Tom Brady's prop, no, not he is the greatest of all time. You know, as much as I hate saying it, he's he's one of the best, if not the best, to do it. And with that in mind, he's not had a very se- good season to be reflective of his historic greatness. And there's tons of, I see it on TikTok, I've seen tons of videos, I've seen it everywhere, that people are talking, it's being broken everywhere, that he might be going back to New England next year. Now, I, I guess I just can sort of posit a, 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 a general analysis here. You know, we've already looked at Brady and how he's, we've talked about him a lot today. So I, I guess is the question I want to ask is, do y'all think this is the end of Brady? Or are we going to be watching him for a couple more years, like people are saying, if he goes back to New England? Do I think it's the I end th- of Brady? No. Do I think he's going back to New England? Hell, New England's <laughs> on two quarterbacks on rookie contracts that have both shown huge yeah. shines of light in Mac Jones and Bailey Zach. They've shown a lot of darkness, George. <laughs> they've, 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 no, they've shown signs of being good quarterbacks in the NFL. I think right now they're surrounded with a terrible skill room. Like they have a couple Patriots wide receivers. Like they're terrible. Devontae Parker is their best receiver. Nikhil Nah Hale. nah Jacoby Myers is pretty Jacoby solid. Myers, he's just hurt. He's hurt. This year. Exactly. he's hurt. He's hurt. If your best receiver is Jacoby Myers, you have a bottom five wide receiver one in the league. Sure, but he's hurt. <laughs> sure. Again Patriots do not, are not surrounding these guys with skill right now, and I think Bailey Zappi is. Uh, Bailey Zappi was not talked enough about, in my opinion, going into the NFL draft. 
he a season after Joe Burrow did it broke all Joe Burrow's single season passing records that he did in that insane year at LSU. Bailey Zappi, the Western Kentucky Hilltopper, was an absolute baller in college. And when he got his time in the NFL this year, he looked good. Now, they ended up going back to Mac Jones. I don't know if I, I didn't agree with the decision at first, but he's their guy. I'm they a said Mac Jones fan. And, um, yeah, Mac I Jones has got anything. that dog in him. I think there's two quarterbacks that physically could play at the same level as Brady right now. They don't have the same mental capacity that he does right now, but so you're saying no. He does. Yes, you, I'm saying no. But you're saying you're both no to both? No to mo- no. Is Brady done? No, I think Brady will stay in Tampa. Yeah, I think uh, I kind of. I kind of agree with George actually here um, in terms of like, I think he'll, I don't think Brady's done. I mean, this obviously barring, you know, something crazy to happen. Like he gets like a career ending injury, but like if he stays healthy, I think he'll play for another two or three years. I think that's what he wants to do. And I don't think it makes realistic sense for him to go back to New England for some of the reasons George has said, like the Patriots have two QBs they've already invested in. I'm sure they'd be willing to give that up for Brady, would Brady really want to go back to like a skill room that isn't that great? And maybe he has a better line, but again, the, the, the reason he left um, New England for Tampa is because the skill room and just, uh, yeah, the skill room in New England has just always been bad and he wanted weapons. He knew he couldn't just put it all on himself to win games anymore. And so that's why he went there, and they really still haven't solved the issue. Like, I'm still high on Jacoby Myers. I think he's a good receiver. I think Hunter Henry is a good tight end. I think they just don't use them well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't that, want. If I was Brady, I wouldn't want to go back. It's like as one. much as I don't want it to happen. Part of me feels like if you get an actual field general behind the line and not these two young guys, you give Tom Brady a year in New England to coach these guys up, sort of like you know he's done before. I think that could be very dangerous. And I understand not buying into this and we can move on. You know, we could, we've got a, a lot of other big news to hit. Um, but I'm, I'm worried. I, when I, now that I've heard it, you know, I just can't stop worrying about it, you know. But if he's... No, I get it. I'll, I'll I believe figured, it when I see it. I guess you're right. George, do you want to talk about um, the next big name? Oh, he's probably stashed on all your fantasy benches right now. Everyone's wondering where he's going to go. Everyone's probably for about the last month been waiting for him to sign to a team any day now. The Odell Beckham recruitment tour is on. This week, he was in Dallas. And not only was he at the Cowboys game, chilling right on the sideline, dabbing up the players, chopping it up, seeing what's going on. He was courtside at the Mavs game the next day. And the Mavs players were sitting there chopping it up with him, telling him about how great Dallas was. Maybe they're hitting him up with a spot or two to go check out. And Odell Beckham right now is really reinventing what it means to be a free agent. This isn't a, oh, I really hope a team will sign me. This is a where I'm going to go, and it's going to be up to me because wherever I want to go, they're going to pay me. And he's, he's acting like a high school kid on recruiting visits right now. He's going... Teams are taking care of him, probably putting him up in a nice hotel, feeding him. 
and he really looks like he's living his best life right now. He has his little no, entourage. I want to say you look, yeah, he pulls up to the Mavs game with Micah Parsons and another Cowboys player. You know, like, like, you know, he's, I, who was he was somewhere else before though. He was maybe was it Minnesota? Yeah, he was in New York. You might have been. It was in Minnesota too, actually. Yeah, he's, he's just, just going, going everywhere. Home. Yeah, hey, he's just like going on little vacations, go going to check out some games, getting free tickets. He's like, ah, who's going to be going to the playoffs this year? this year? I think he might enjoy being a free agent more than he does on a team. <laughs> I mean, I think, he's, I think he's trying to do what he did last year. You know, he's just going to try to get on a Super Bowl roster, or maybe it was two years ago. Gonna, that was last year, last yeah, he's just gonna no, get on the Super Bowl year, roster, and he's gonna be like, "All right, who's got the best chance to make it all the way? I'm gonna go there and get myself another ring." Yeah, I mean that's probably that's exactly Von, what he's doing. Von Miller's been recruiting him really hard. I think he went on Von Miller's podcast for a little bit. Um, the, Cow- the Cowboys are off recruiting him to no end. Um, yeah, he, he's he's like a high school five star. He's like it's like the number one player in the nation. That five star that's getting the Bama, Georgia, Ohio State offer, just walking around, coolest guy in school. And yeah, no, really, I mean, I wonder if it's gonna if it's gonna move what being a free agent means to people because this is kind of unprecedented in that at this point it's it seems it's, like he could could have been on a team by now. I don't think like, I don't th- I see I don't know about that. My point is George he this isn't just any free agent. This, this is, is this is Odell Beckham Jr., the man with perhaps the greatest catch of all time. I think I think uh he has a competition this year. I think that Jay Jetta's catch in the Bills game might Wait, what that David and yeah, the judge three weeks ago. Yeah, I think Justin Jefferson catch was still better, but um, like, like no, I, I actually on... agree with I agree with you, Niter, on this one here. Like that, I think it's just an Odell being Odell, and yeah. like it's just a weird situation too because like it's like it's he was injured in the off season, so no one really wanted to sign him. They would just rather wait, and they wanted to see if his knee would get back. And now teams are like, well, Odell's really talented, you know. Like, do we really know if he'll be good or not? No, but we can guess he'll be good when he comes back. So now it's just all the – it's now just every good team being like, well, if we get Odell on the team, it only makes us better, so why don't we try because we're trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't think you can do that. Every free agent can do that, especially when, like, you're trying to get a lot more money than Odell's probably going to try and get. Like, I think a lot, I think the team that signs him is probably going to be, like, to a one-year deal. Maybe it's more, but I think it's just going to be to a one-year deal, and then he's going to do this – maybe this whole thing over again. Maybe about a two-month deal. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, we've got. We're gonna switch it over. I think we. We're just gotta keep things going here. We're for, in. In for the sake of time. I know we've got some time constraints today, but y'all. I don't. I. I've fallen out. We've got put in like some weird ass bowl. But y'all seem a little more excited about this than I am. So James, if you wanna. Oh yeah, James. Talk, do you oh, wanna yeah. talk a little I CFP? Wanna... Yeah, I just wanna start out with a. Well, before we before we update on who's in, I just want to give a shout out to the Utah Utes, my boys, <laughs> my honorary team now, going out there. USC taking down USC. What happened? The boys really going out there, showing out, beating USC, getting the Ohio State Buckeyes into the playoffs. Cam rising out here. Throwing for 310 yards, three touchdowns. They had they had two running backs. Well, they had one running back go over 100 yards and two t- touchdowns. They had another one go for 
80 yards and had an amazing run for a touchdown. They had two. They had a they had an interception by I'm trying to find his name now. Dude, who got the interception? Uh, Hubert, who was a transfer, I think from Iowa. Like man, that that team played so hard, played incredible. I you know I get really hyped up for football games that are by my favorite teams. I get really hyped up for it. Really enjoy it. This is the first time in a while that I have just been extremely. Ha- like happy and excited during a game to where like I was not rooting for like either team. I mean, I was rooting for Utah to win more so as just like, a, oh, I want Ohio State to get in. But by the end of the game, I was just genuinely rooting for Utah. It was just such a fun game. Go Utes. Just want to shout them out because they freaking earned it. You just got to talk about how Cam Risen is a football guy. I mean, he got laid out one play. Like, helmet flying through the air. Like, this play is going to be on 40 different YouTube compilations of biggest hits in football history. And that guy got up immediately and just smiled. Like, a play that would have sent Tua Tagovailoa to the grave. Cam Rising's just a football guy. But let's talk about the overall college football playoff. It's officially set. Um, number one, Georgia. Number two, the team up north, Michigan. I took Number a brief three. stop there this weekend. It was pretty nice. I drove through. I wanted to send a picture to the boys. I was going to take a brief stop at a, their, their stadium if I could, but I didn't feel like figuring out where a good picture place was, you know. I'm still, all right, I think all right. Who, let's I calm think down over who, there. I think I found my team I'm rooting for this football um, this playoff, I think. I hate you. Number hate three, you the Texton Christian University Horned Frogs, the Hypnotoads, as anyone might like to say it. And... At number four, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, got some help from Cam Rising and the Utes. The Buckeyes are in the playoffs. We're heading down straight into Georgia territory to play in the Peach Bowl against the Bulldogs. That's going to be an essential home game for them. But Buckeye faithful, hopefully including yours truly, George, it's going to make that trip down to Atlanta, and we're going to show them Bulldogs what's up. Maybe we, we can get and some live coverage Some live coverage we'll, of that. Live coverage from Atlanta, Georgia. Put that up on the TikTok. No, I think maybe. this is – Put that up on the TikTok. I think this is really exciting, honestly, for the matchups. I think, I think you know, Georgia-OSU – if OSU sure. cannot play the way they played against Michigan, I think that will be a really good game. Either team could win. Obviously, Georgia's going to be favored because it's basically a home game, but I think OSU could go out there and win. And then TCU and Michigan is going to be a really interesting game. I think I, – I mean, Michigan is just the better team. But TCU kind of pulls out a lot of – like, the only really close game they lost this year was in the in the Big 12 championship. So And, I mean, they have Big 12 player of the year, um, Heisman finalist as their QB. I honestly forget his name. I couldn't tell you his Max name off the top of my head. Max Duggan. Doug, Max Duggan. Yeah, Max Duggan. <laughs> um, but – I think TCU can give Michigan a game. They're honestly Michigan in games where they should have easily won have not performed as well as they should have. They've performed way better in games they should have lost, hence the Ohio State game. So I, I think TCU can give them a run for their money too. This should be a really interesting playoff this year. Big spread on that game. I think the spread's sitting at about nine right now, which is really big for a two v three playoff matchup. So yeah, true, no, hundred percent. I you know again, I said can, I don't I mean, care as much, but I. I guess I don't. I, do you have more about the CFP? I'm, we've got. We've still got more, and, and I know we've got a cram. Well, I think we can I have go one into more question later because on, my my but... my question is here. One, if if George goes down to the CFP, do we want 
some interviews with some Ohio State fans? Do we want some? Do we want some like live act? Do we want some TikTok content? Do we want to? Because I think going. <laughs> hey, it's it's up. It, it exists technically. Um, we're, 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 I need a live promise right here from Andrew Nyer that we're gonna get some clips this week on the TikTok. I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna tell you that because hey, as long as the episodes get out on the actual platform, I was just surprised I was able good. to get it on Spotify. I'm gonna be for real. <laughs> I was actually very impressed you got on Spotify. <laughs> All right, well, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna brush over this breaking news real quick. Yeah, that's like one. That's we're a one. Talk about it more next week because according to Adam Schefter, he's gonna get picked up by a team today, so there's not much to talk about. Baker Mayfield was cut by the Carolina Panthers. That's pretty embarrassing if you're the Carolina Panthers and Baker Mayfield. I mean, I'm not gonna pretend like he's the best quarterback in the world, but you're gonna keep Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. Like, what? I don't understand the point of cutting him at this point of the year. Uh, the point is, is we're gonna draft somebody else. There was really some locker room. There had to really been some locker room issues, I think. Um, oh, 100%. Do you guys want to make quick predictions on who's going to take him? Um, Denver. Well, that's bold. I kind of like um, that, actually. If this, if, depending on how long this um, Jacksonville injury goes, I'm saying Jacksonville. Well, I, I, was, orig- I was originally going to say the Niners, but since George said Jimmy G might be coming back, I'm gonna say the Rams. I, well, Ooh, the reason I good. Well, Rams is a good one. Reason I didn't say the or, Niners. You know what? I'm changing mine. Kyle Falcons. Shanahan. Falcons. Kyle, oh, <laughs> uh, oh wait, actually, that's Falcons. Wow, that could actually. Kyle Ooh. Shanahan came out in a press conference and said they're not. Mariota looks bad. <laughs> um, okay, the, I like right. the Falcons, the Rams, and George went with Denver. All right, so let's move on to the uh, final new segment. Section uh, of final se- new segment. From our boy James, so if you want to explain it. Yeah, yeah. So the new segment we're going to try and do, and this will be a little bit of a quick one. We won't go too much into analysis here, but just it's called Surprise of the Week. You know, um, the idea came from um, listening to another uh, sports podcast, Strong Opinion Sports. They do a uh, – he, he did a similar segment just like saying, just like talking about certain um, surprises over the overall year, but I thought we could do a little spin where, like, we just talk about – Hey, what surprised us this week? Like, what in, the, what in the NFL, what during a game was surprising? Like, what, like, really blew you away? And it could be something from, like, a game outcome to just maybe a player performing, you know, and, uh, someone being fired because, some, I mean, someone could talk about the Titans gem getting fired if they wanted to. But literally anything, you know, just a nice little, hey, this happened, surprised me, maybe smile a little bit. It's all good. Just a little, a little segment. So I can start if we want. Go and for it. Yeah, go for it, George. I'm very happy with this. So coming into the year, we thought this guy and Max Crosby out in Las Vegas would be the most dynamic pass rushing duo in the league. Um, this guy's had double-digit sacks for probably as many seasons as almost anyone in NFL history. And he's an absolute dog in Arizona, but had a real slow start to the year. Um, before this game, he was only at half a sack on the whole year, but – and with three sacks and a big win against the Chargers, give me Chandler Jones as my surprise of the week. Balled out with three sacks, finally came onto the scene. And the Raiders, much like the Browns and Steelers, have a little bit of life. And this is a team I thought was going to win the West division this year. So seeing them start so slow really hurt me. But 
Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, and now if Chandler Jones starts producing like he did in this game consistently, this team's hard for anyone to beat. So Chandler Jones, my surprise of the week. All right, I think. All right, I do want me to go Niner, or do you want to go? I got it. So again, y'all, again, they critiqued my surprise of the week, but maybe I'm not as high on the Cowboys as everyone else is. But I was extremely surprised the Cowboys, especially with the way the first three quarters went, won by as much as they did. Now I understand some of those were just uh, crazy circumstances, but if you would have told me that the Cowboys were going to score 55, was it 54? I would have called you insane, and I would have bet you my life savings against that. I would. It was watching the Colts crumble was terrifying, as just a sports fan, and you know it was sort of disappointing. A because I I predicted them for our scoreboard, you know, but you know I just I get that it was an eleven spread, like so it was expected to be big, anyways, but but. 54 to 19. Ugh. Ugh. That's no, scary. yeah, that was a... That was that's a... Not, and that's that all you got to say about that. That's just a rough game. A rough surprise. So I'll pass it over to a you. Rough surprise. James. No, yeah. And actually, um, I, I, I told you guys a surprise I was going to go with, but I actually thought of a better one during the, uh, during the podcast where I was actually genuinely surprised. And that's... Uh, it's from the Bills... Uh, Patriots game, and it was uh, James Cook's performance this week. Oh, wow. uh, dude, kind of looked like his brother the, uh, um, on Thursday. Man, went had 14 carries for 64 yards, averaging 4.6 yards a carry, and then along with that, had six receptions for 41 yards. He yeah. looked like a like a guy who could start in the league. He looked really good. You know, there was a there was a lot of skepticism on him early because he had a fumble really early in the year. They kind of sat him down. We're like. You know, not they didn't trust the team. Didn't really trust him, and you know he's worked his way back. You know, worked really hard. And even with the Naheem Hines trade, a lot of people were like, "Oh, is James Cook really going to get time?" And you know, he I think he really showed this game that hey, I can I can be a lead back for this team. I'm I can be a starter in the NFL, and so maybe he won't be the the quote unquote starter going forward. But I think he played well enough to earn himself that number two role at least going forward. And, you know, it surprised me. I was really proud of the guy, you know, worked really hard, you know, had the number two rule early, lost it, came, got it back. It was a good job. For sure, for sure. And I think that wraps up our surprises. So now we can start looking towards the future. We can start looking towards next week. And we've got a couple of big, important games playoff-wise coming up. And, and we would like to start those. And I think I could start off with one. You know, I've been really talkative about this, the, the Vikings this year. And I think we've been really respectful of the Lions, especially with their, their the way they've come on at the end of the season. So we've got the Vikings-Lions matchup somehow being a really important playoff implication game coming on next week. And, you know, when, when the Lions traded TJ Hawkinson, I did not expect them to start improving. And so I would be interested to hear everyone else's predictions. I still think the Vikings are going to win. You know, it's hard for me to say the Vikings and, and big bad man Kirk Cousins aren't going to come and win this game. But I want, I'm interested to hear the lads' opinions on this one. Sure. I'll be kind of quick here. Um, 
I've been high on the Vikings all year since before the season started. I thought they would be the best team in the division, and especially if Green Bay took a step back, they have been. Um, Kevin O'Connell is a good head coach. I, I, and Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league right now, or one of the best in the league right now. Hawkinson has played at a great level ever since coming on to the team. The weakness of the Vikings is their defense, but I still think that a 10 and 2 team, Vikings know how to win close games. Despite the playoff implications here, I think the Vikings win. I think it's probably by a touchdown. That's my pick. Fair enough. Georgie? Um, ow. There's something about a gritty team that just gets me excited. <laughs> I love Dan Campbell. I love Maul Williams. And give me the Detroit Lions. <laughs> He's taking When big in this game. Oh, my goodness. When big. Big. And this might be a little foreshadow to, my, to, to our scoreboard bets and signing off. I love me some lines. Okay, okay, okay. All right. I think that's a good. We've got another important one, though. And I don't know if one of y'all want to talk about it more, but we've got my fantasy boy, Jalen Hurts, heading. Are they heading to? I don't know where they're exactly which way it's going. I guess I should have looked uh, that up. I don't know but who's the... where that one, but I don't think it's going to matter. I, I believe know. it's in Philly. Oh, they're at home. Well, the G-Men heading over to Philly then to take on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And, you know, I'll look real quick. I'll and I'm look. telling you my prediction here. I think no, it's they're at, they're at No, they're at MetLife. They're at MetLife. Oh, it's at home. Other way around. Jalen Hurts traveling. I think there's this could be an interesting matchup. I think it could be. But I think this might be an Eagles blowout. I'm going to be honest. I think Jalen Hurts keeps his... MVP caliber season going. I'm going to be honest. He's having a stellar performance all, all around. I don't... I, I There's few other people who could make a better case for MVP this year than Jalen Hurts. Um, But I, I'm interested to see if any of you guys think little Danny Dimes can handle it as well. Is George picking an underdog again? Um, This game's hard for me. Um, I The Giants are... It, Tough team. Brian Dables had an incredible first year as a head coach. Um, Eagles are obviously just absolutely rolling of late. I mean, they've lost one game in 12 weeks of the NFL season, 13 weeks. I got the Eagles in a nail-biter. Um, I think whatever the spread is, I'm guessing it's probably somewhere around three to five points. I think the Giants cover. But I got the Eagles in a nail-biter. Um Giants have a good interior D-line with Dexter Lawrence in there. Eagles have a good run game. It's going to be a good matchup. See if they can stop some of them Jalen Hurts QB sneaks. But um, I don't know if the Giants have the offensive production to keep up with what Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and the Eagles are doing lately. So give me Eagles close. So for me with this game, it's tough, right? Because I think the way the Giants play on offense – with Daniel Jones running and Saquon being the focal point. If they can control the time of possession like they've been doing all year, I think they can give themselves a chance to win the close game. The issue is, though, 
is that kind of like George, what George was saying is if the Eagles get off to a to a lead early, like a, a big lead early, the Giants can't catch up. And I've I've got to watch the Giants secondary up close in person, up close, um, you know, this week uh, with the Commanders Giants game, and their their secondary is bad. Like their secondary is very bad, and the Eagles have really good skill position players and a really good O line. I. I, I'm def- I think the Eagles win this. I don't think the Giants win, um, but I think the Eagles probably win by a touchdown, maybe two, depending on. It, it, I think it's kind of like what you said, Nyder. It's either going to be a, it's kind, it's either going to be a blowout or a close game. I'd probably lean the close game, but I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the end of the game, the Eagles are up twenty and comfortably coasting. You know, so yeah. I'd go Eagles probably maybe by ten. I'll just split the middle, but. I, it's, I, I don't think they're in too much trouble. Here. All right. Now we'll head down to our favorite teams. And, um, James, I think you've got a little bit of a weaker week, so we'll let you keep going with your commanders in the bye. Sure, sure. So I think this bye week's coming at a – like, I mean, it's obviously the last bye week, so we kind of need it. Um, but it's at a good point, you know, coming off the tie. You know, it's, it's kind of a – a weird mindset to have. So I think, you know, them just taking, taking a week off to kind of mentally prepare themselves, you know, get back into it's really good for them. The team was really hot, stalled a little bit in this game. So I think from a mentality standpoint, I think this is a good bye week for them, but also injury wise, um, this is a huge bye week for them. I mean, they just lost Cole Holcomb, their middle linebacker to the year with a foot injury. Their starting right guard didn't play, and Trey Turner didn't play in the last game because he had an ankle injury. Hopefully, he'll be back after the bye. Benjamin St. Juice also didn't play in the last game because he has a, he has a, a mid ankle sprain. Hopefully, he'll be back after the bye. Chase Young is supposed to finally be back after this bye because he's medic he's been medically cleared for three weeks. It's up to him now to play. So hopefully, he'll be back. And then in the actual uh, Giants Commanders game, um, they're. Um, Gar- Sam Cosme, who started at right guard for them, who's normally their right tackle, left with an ankle injury. So hopefully we'll get him back. Um, their center, Tyler Larson, suffered a pretty bad knee injury. Nothing's been out on it yet, or at least I haven't checked today. But I think he's just going to be done for the season. So this bye week will also give their backup center, um, Nick Martin, or their backup, or their backup center, um, Wes Schweitz, or whichever one ends up being the guy to at least get in, get comfortable with the offense before going right back out into another game. Um, Montez Sweat also left the game in the third quarter with a concussion. I think he's going to pass protocol, but at least it gives him a week to do that. And, um, yeah, I said this earlier, but Heineke was named the starter going forward by Rivera, uh, even when once comes off IR. So, like I said, just from a from a mentality standpoint and from a health standpoint, I think this bye is really good for them. Hopefully they get a lot of these guys back to play the Giants again, which is a flex game in the Sunday night game which is going to be a huge game for playoff implications. So this bye week could not have come at a better I can't time. believe y'all play each other back-to-back like that. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a weird scheduling thing. Washington's had some weird scheduling things happen against them in the past, so this is kind of, in my and to me, this is like kind of just justified because I've had to deal with a lot of BS over the years. So I'll, I'll take what I can Fair get. Enough. But, yeah, it is, it is kind of BS. And then me and George... We've both got – we're going to cover the whole AFC North right here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go ahead, Nader. All right. 
But this is going to be a little less of an explosive match, especially if Lamar Jackson is still hurt like it's predicted he may be. Um, the Huntley-Pickett matchup sounds way less explosive than a Jackson-Pickett matchup, you know? Um, but this is going to be this is an important game for both teams. The division is still competitive, but especially, again, the Steelers probably need to win out, stay alive for playoff implications if they want to keep dogging it in for it. So what we're going to need to do here is we're going to need to have a big game. George Pickens is going to need to have more than one catch. Fryermuth is going to need to have more than one half of football. The lads as a whole are going to need to have more than one half of football because the Ravens are a scary team with Lamar Jackson, and they're still scary without him. They've got talented dudes in the run game. They've got a talented, one of scarily one of the best three tight ends in the, the NFL. Their defense is nothing to be uh, to shy away from. So they, 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 their record shows they can win football games. And again, we're talking even the games they lose, they're close ones. They're, they're that's that the, we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, the Ravens are usually in every game, and the Steelers cannot say the same. And if you want to to, to compete with that, you're gonna need to play a somewhat full game of football. So it'll be interesting. I if the, the if Lamar's there, I don't think the Steelers have the best odds to win. But I will never pick the Ravens to win a football game over my boys. Give me the Steelers. Whatever the spread is, because it's probably not pretty. Let me look it up. Um, here. Um, but let's look. Raven Steelers minus three. What? That's a pick favored because what? Lamar's not yeah, Lamar's not playing. All right. I mean, that's good. That's that's a good sign. I'm sure that spread will change. And I'm saying, by the way, if Lamar gets announced to come in and the spread changes, and I pick the Steelers later on, that's all I'm saying. I get to say. That I get the new spread when we, we recalculate uh, this. I think this is assumption of the risk right here. I think. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, no, I think I think this is assumption of the risk. I'm with George. Okay. You better fine, be fine, 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 fine. Well, well I'll, I'll think about it. George, let's hear about your brownies. All right. This is a. I mean, both these games, Steelers, Ravens, Browns, Bengals, have absolutely massive playoff implications. The Browns and Steelers trying to sneak into a wild card, and for the Ravens and Bengals that are tied at the top of the division, um, this this is going to have a lot of determinant records of in division records that could break tiebreakers if overall records are the same. This could swing the division in so many different ways. So this is going to be an electric weekend of AFC North football. But the Browns come out as six point dogs in Cincinnati, traveling down to the Bengals Stadium. Easy drive right down seventy one. Um, all I have to say is Joe Burrow's 0-6 against the Cleveland Browns in his career. Um, for some reason, the Browns have just had his number. And I honestly don't know how much longer it can, t- can continue. I, like, I don't ex- – if you would ask me, like, at the start of Joe Burrow's career, you think you're going to beat this dude seven times in a row, I'd say, heck no. But we're here. And um, maybe my favorite – this is my NFL stat of the week. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is – 10 and 0 against cat teams. So that includes <laughs> Bengals, Panthers, Lions and Jaguars. Uh Kevin Stefanski's 10 and 0 against cat teams. Some might call him a cat destroyer. It's cuz we got that dog. We got uh, that how's dog. He be? 
I mean, as he beat as he beat Zach Wilson, that man only goes for Cougars. So. Oh god. Oh, maybe you need Zach Wilson. Maybe that's where Zach needs to go. Back up to Sean. Maybe. Um, but wouldn't that be something? All right. One more game. That's a QB room, right? One more game to look at generally. A little. I got the Browns. Let me wrap that up. I got the Browns. Taking it down to Cincinnati. All right. All right. One more game. Okay. And, and I'm going to give us a little 3-2-1 so we could get it for our boys down in Jacksonville. But can we get a 3-2-1? Duval. For the boys. Again, you know, this is going to be a, a – the t- Tennessee Titans have a, a, a good record. But I think we're all pretty critical of them. And like we just said earlier in the breaking news, they are down a commander at the, at the helm. The GM is gone. It is chaos in Tennessee. Jacksonville might have a chance, but again, we don't know about Trevor Lawrence. Who's the backup in Jacksonville we got now? I asked earlier in the show. I already forgot. They need to pick up Baker Mayfield now while they still got time. (laughs) Something needs to change. Um, Yeah, here's my prediction. I think if Trevor Lawrence plays... I like the Jaguars, man. I mean, like you said, we got we got some stuff going down in Tennessee. We just fired the GM in the middle of the season, which is very, very rare. Um, usually you're not firing because GMs, I mean, you're not making too many moves in the middle of the season. They're off-season guys is where they operate, really. You're, you're firing a GM during week 13. Something has to be going wrong down there in Nashville. Um, Jacksonville's a good team, man. Um if they could get that that run stopped with Derrick Henry, the Titans are as vulnerable as any team in the NFL. Now, historically, have they stopped Derrick Henry? No. <laughs> but if they can, they could win. So, I got Jacksonville right now. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, I think it's going to be an easy win for Tennessee. Um, stop the run with Derrick Henry, and you can pick up a win. Yeah. If, if Trevor Lawrence plays, I think there's a chance... Um, I if CJ Bethard plays, there's no chance in my opinion. I listen. I I like I do like the ja- Jacksonville to keep this game close. The issue I have though is that Derrick Henry has basically made a career out of out of just memeing Jacksonville. I mean, just looking at his career stats against Jacksonville, the dude has a thousand one hundred forty three yards against them, and averaging five point four yards a carry, and has fourteen touchdowns against this team. Like in his career. I, I just think, you know, they had a bad loss to the Eagles. I think Tennessee, despite the chaos going in the room, I think Brable's a really good head coach, gets the team together, and Derrick Henry does his thing and just goes through Trayvon Walker on yeah, his way to the end zone. I got to say, I probably, for him. With, excuse me, I probably agree with James here. Um, I, as much as I want to support the Jags, if I'm not confident Lawrence is at the helm, I'm not confident they're winning this game. Um, I'm probably taking Tennessee here as well. You know, I've got to say, Tannehill, as much as I like to meme on him, he does take care of the ball usually. Um, they don't have the receivers like they used to, I guess. But, I mean, again, they're going to run the ball. We know that. Um, and so I think overall, I think this game is most definitely leaning Tennessee, right? What do we got the spread on it at? Um uh, let me check. I've got the it spread at is Tennessee minus, minus three, three and a half. Tennis yeah. three. So, so that, it, that they basically pretty, call that it sounds, a pick like, That sounds like Lawrence might be in. 
So maybe Doug we're a little more up. Questionable. These listeners questionable, and Doug Peterson says he has a positive outlook on what's going okay, on. Okay, that's good. So honestly, with that, I might. We'll we'll see how the scoreboard. We'll see if I pick him in the scoreboard. But with that, I think that wraps up all of the games we're going to be predicting here in a general analysis sense. But we've got one last thing to do before we sign off here, and that's our scoreboard. An important thing to remember: George at seven, Drew at five. James at two, and I think it's only fair that because George is in first place, he's going to have to pick first two. I think that's how we'll do it. So all George, right, all right. sounds good, sounds all good. Because right, right. George got to pick, pick last time, he stole some of our picks, and I like to think that's why he had such a good oh, week, James. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, probably. So I first pick, and this is one that I would never put real money on, but. This isn't real money. This is points in a podcast. And it, I think it's actually probable. Give me Dallas Cowboys minus 17 oh against the Houston God. Texans. It's minus 17? Oh, my God. <laughs> biggest point spread I've ever seen in an NFL game. That's At least disgusting. this year. Wow. That's disgusting. That's I mean, awful. Look at what Dallas has been doing. I tell <laughs> I mean. <laughs> it's it's probable. <laughs> I cannot wait to look back on this bet next week and see if this hit or not. Um, next, I already said I'm doing this. I'm sticking by my word. Give me the Detroit Lions minus two and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. I don't care about records. My Lions are hot. I'm riding with Dan Campbell in the Detroit Lions. Next, give me. And something we have to actually update the podcast on. Give me the Chiefs minus nine versus Denver. Um, okay. I think the Chiefs are going to come off this loss and bounce back very well with Andy Reid. I think Denver, awful. In a podcast update, Russell Wilson threw no touchdown passes this week. So it is officially Russell Wilson at eight touchdowns and Russell Wilson's house at 12 bathrooms. Now, at the current pace Russell Wilson has gone this season, the bathrooms will win if the pace holds up. We're all pulling for the bathrooms, and there's another strong performance this week by the bathrooms in Russell Wilson's house. Um, My fourth bet, give me the Seahawks, minus three and a half against Carolina. Um, <coughs> I'm like a top 10 QB in the NFL right now. He's even being mentioned in MVP Hawks. And Carolina doesn't even know who they're starting at quarterback. So I'm Sam Darnold, baby. Sam Darnold's the boy. Yeah. Um, and I'll save my lock of the week for after the boys go. All right. Uh, Nair, you want to go or you want me to go? Well, actually, um, you, you got second. second yeah, the point, I'm second. So you can go. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'm going to go my four. I've got a pretty – I think this is – or rather, I'm going to have some controversy here in myself. My first pick, I'm taking the Vikings. Up two and a half, I got him at. Um, let me look. I'm, I'm just double checking that. That's where I've got it. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't. I think. I think the fact that the Vikings are getting point. I think the Vikings are going to win this game. So, um, that's just what. I, that's where I'm at there. Um, my next pick. I'm gonna. This is gonna. I gotta make sure I don't say it too loud. Going Baltimore, plus three. 
I'm, wow. I'm, I'm playing it safe here. I'm playing it safe here. Big I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I I win this week one way or the other. You know, um, <laughs> um, that's and that's where we're gonna leave it because I don't like to talk it. This one, I'm gonna say, I'm a little. I'll talk a little bit more about because I think the Bills are gonna smack the Jets. You know, Mike White. We like to talk as much as we like to talk about them, but I don't think the Jets are going to be able to hang with the complete team this Buffalo. James argued earlier they're the best. I don't think they're quite the best, but I think they're one of the best, and I think they're going to absolutely smack this Jets team. And my final... George, you're going to boo me again. My final pick... I, I You know, no, I'm switching it. I'm switching it. I'm going with the boys. I'm Give me Jacksonville. Give me Jacksonville here for my last pick. Plus Jacksonville three plus three. All right. All right. Plus th- um, I have plus three and a half um on CBS. That's fine. That's fine, yeah. Ryder, I yeah, do have good news for you. Um, what? Jets have already beat the Bills. Dude. That no. nine and a half point spread is crazy to me. And they beat him with Zach Wilson. Now we got Mike Whiteballing. Nope. <laughs> I don't care. That's not happening twice. We talked about it last week. That doesn't happen twice back to back. You know who else won? Right. You know who else won their first matchup? The Steelers over the Bengals. Look at, I mean, <laughs> that was a that was an interesting one. All right, so do I just give all my picks now since we usually do the reverse order of the lock? Yep. Yeah, yeah, you give all your picks. Yeah. All right, so I'm starting off with the Patriots minus one versus the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are a bad team. <laughs> I think the Patriots are a good team. And that's it. I, I just think they win by more by like I think they win by a touchdown. But like I just I don't think the Cardinals are that good. They're badly coached. If it's only minus one on the Patriots, I'll happily take that. Um, next I want I want Vegas minus six against the Rams. Their Vegas is hot. Josh Jacobs is a beast. Devontae Adams is honestly looking – I mean, I said Justin Jefferson is probably the best receiver in the league. Devontae Adams is looking like the best receiver in the league right now too. They're both they're both having some crazy games. And the Rams, the fact that they had a close game against Seattle is incredible to me. And I just don't think they'll be able to put up that type of performance again. I think Vegas wins that game easily. My next pick – I am going with Niter on this one, going plus two and a half with the Vikings. The fact that the Vikings are ten and two and getting plus po- like getting points, and the fact that the Lions have a have a losing record and and the and the Vikings are still getting points makes no sense to me. Happily take the Vikings here. I just think they went out right. You know what they say? Um, I guess knows something we don't. <laughs> I I guess so, man. I I agree. The Lions are hot, but I just think I think the Vikings still lie. I just think they're a better team. Um, my fourth pick is a, you know, George said the streak has to end sometime. Give me the Bengals minus six versus the Browns. All right, all right. Deshaun Watson needs a little bit more WD forty before he can uh, he can start looking like the MVP candidate he was a few years ago. Uh, give me the Bengals minus six. Joey B looking really good. Jamar Chase is back. That defense playing at a great level right now behind Trey Hendrickson and and Bell. They they're looking like one of the best teams right now. Do I think they're the best team? No, but I think they can beat the Browns. And now for the lock of the week. You know, I was honestly surprised by this spread when I saw it. 
and I'm pretty pleased about it. I'm going Tampa Bay plus five against the 49ers this week for my lock of the week. Wow. He's confident. Give me – Football, give me Tampa. Give me Tampa Bay against Brock Purdy. Oh, George, you thought that was a controversial pick? Wait till you hear my lock of the week. Oh, by the way, Niner breaking news: Lamar Jackson He's... suffered sprained PCL and went against Broncos, which sidelines players typically for one to three weeks. If you care, give listen. Niner's about to lock in Houston plus seventeen. Nah. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> you know, I look at this spread. And I look at this game, and it should be a shootout. You know, if you look at the paper, if you look at it on paper, it should be a shootout. And the fact that it's a minus nine plus nine for this game, you know, it's a little controversial. Someone took this. But Broncos country, let's ride. Dangerous is going over the toilet. He's throwing five tutties to beat the toilets this week. I'm telling you. Give me Danger Russ. Let's ride. Give me Broncos plus nine for my lock of the week. I I can't believe it. That's <laughs> wow. Broncos country, let's ride. That's a worse lock than James's. <laughs> all right. Bro, Tampa Bay. Hey, Tampa Bay. Hey, all right. Give us your lock before you start talking shit. All right. Um, my lock. My lock's simple. The Miami Dolphins just came off of. Tough loss to a really good 49. I think Mike McDaniel is one of the most brilliant minds in modern day football today. And I think he's going to come out firing. I think the Dolphins have something to prove. I still think this team is Super Bowl contender worthy. And the Chargers are ice cold. Give me the Dolphins minus three against the Chargers of Los Angeles. Hey, 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 hey. They're not an underdog. They're not underdog. The lock of the week's supposed to be underdogs. What is this? No, it's not. No, you could. Yeah, no, you we could, no, we no, it could be whatever because we're doing spreads. Oh, it, it all right, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah, we're good. Wow, George right. is going with a safe. Bet. All right, all right. All right. Hey, Jim, I, I want to make something known. All of these bets in Vegas have the exact same odds. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. Here's my thing, though, guys. Here's the important thing. We've we've got our bets in. We'll be interesting to see how the scoreboard, but we're gonna start wrapping things up. Important notes before we get off. I'm gonna get it done real quick because I know we gotta get done. We got our social media going. You can look on YouTube at the Neighborhood Watch Party. You could look on TikTok at Neighborhood Watch Party. You can go on RSS for your podcast at the Neighborhood Watch Party with George, James, and Drew. Or you could go on Spotify and you can look up the Neighborhood Watch Party by George. Or by by it'll be our full names. It's gonna be Andrew Niter. It'll be a little different, but you can still look up George and James, and it'll be there. The important thing is we're getting things up. We're looking to spread. Follow us on all those social medias. Subscribe on our YouTube channel. Like and comment on the videos. Hit those bells for the things to keep it going. And follow us on all these different things because we're going to get things going. And particularly, I have a lot of trading cards. I'm thinking about maybe giving some good stuff away if we get some people doing some certain milestones, you know. Get a little sports memorabilia going out to the boys. So important thing is we could all say goodbye here. So I think we're going to be wrapping it up quickly because the lads got to get out. But if there's any last things we got to say, say them now because I'm signing off. Are you guys good? Let's go. No, we're good. Thanks for the support, everyone. Thank you, guys. Yeah. We had a real good first video, 50 views on the first one already. It's still growing. We appreciate that. And we're looking to keep it going. We're looking to be consistent with it. So thank you for tuning in if you're still listening. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And thank you for tuning in. We're all good. 
and we're out of here. Bye-bye. Peace out, guys.